This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's morphin' time. Lisa! Hello, listeners with Attitude. I'm Michael. I'm Nathan. And I'm Chris. <laughs> and we're continuing our journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing... Power Rangers RPM. Get in gear! I couldn't resist. I mean, I don't blame you. I, I honestly don't blame you. Like, this is we 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 brown a lot before you even started recording. Um, I don't know if you want to believe that or not, Nathan. I know you're editing this one, so. Dragon Dagger, I mean, how badly do you want to summon the Dragon Zord today? I'm just saying. I won't be summoning. You've I already be... hung out with us for Operation Overdrive. <laughs> I won't be summoning the Dragon Zord at all today, sir. <laughs> But before we continue on, as you probably heard, not probably, you did hear, listeners, with Attitude, we are here with another guest, my friend Chris Cook. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Chris, before we dive into this very popular season of Power Rangers. Well, uh, I'll quickly say it's popular for a reason. It's because it's dope. All right, and we'll get to it. But yes, my name is Chris. I am the host and creator of One Cross Radio. I am co-host of the Radio Arcade podcast as well, and lifelong Rangers fan and often guest of you, Nathan, on your main <laughs> podcast and your other spinoff podcast. So now I'm on the other, other spinoff podcast. Yeah, and I am a frequent guest go- on yours. It's so. true. It's true. And you guys are one of my even. go-to shows. <laughs> Well, we I, I'm waiting for I'm waiting for Kong on Maid now. We've already done Godzilla and Gamera. We gotta finish the trifecta. I'm just saying. We will we'll we'll do Kong. I was gonna do Jaws, but I mean, there's not really any unmade Jaws movies, so we'll go with Kong. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad I'm glad uh, Chris that you've been able to tolerate us, specifically Nathan, for all for all sixteen of these episodes. Uh, really, me? I think both. I think you've got some issues too, sir. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I enjoy interacting with the both of you a lot. Like I, you guys have both been awesome in hearing feedback on the episodes from myself and then from fans as they email the email or send the audio clips in. You've both engaged when I've done Power Rangers stuff on the 2099 OCR Instagram account. And that's led to a lot of fun interactions. So y'all can stop the fighting. Like I, I'm here for both. <laughs> well, th- thank you. I, I, well, you're, you're mostly here for me, Chris. It's fine. We can, we can all admit that. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, there's a reason why we call him Ego Ranger. <laughs> okay, okay. Before this gets a little bit too off the rails, Nathan, we do have the questions three for Mr. <laughs> Cook. What is your... Oh, wait. Uh-huh. No, 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 not. What is the ASP... Wait, no, wrong, wrong thing as well. <laughs> is there a Swallow Zord? I don't know. Mm, <laughs> what no. is the ASP of a Pterodactyl Zord? I am not going to touch that. Moving on. Oh, my uh, gosh. <laughs> 
Anyway, we'll, we'll avoid going off the rails. Anyway, and then, anyway Chris, 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 we, I, I need to ask. I need to ask yes, you the three yes. questions that I I totally didn't borrow from our friend Kim. Gotcha. <laughs> Who is your favorite ranger? What is your favorite ranger moment? And what is your favorite non-ranger television show or movie? Ooh. Okay. So favorite ranger is Jason Lee Scott. Ooh. Uh, the OG Red Ranger. Like still, uh, still love that character. Still love that, that dude to death. I hope whatever's going on in real life with Austin St. John gets sorted. Because that whole thing you guys briefly addressed. So hopefully things will get sorted there. But I always loved the character of Jason. He was such a natural leader that even compared to other leaders that you get throughout the show, something about Austin was uh, or Jason was the mold for which the <laughs> leaders came afterwards. And he, he was the archetype. So- Exactly. And he worked so well. You could like he was the leader who wasn't being like, hey, it's. Jason guest starring the Power Rangers. It's no, he's the leader of the team. He might have more focus. Favorite Ranger moment. Damn, that's a good one. Weirdly enough, it does tie in Jason. It might be him coming back for the Gold Ranger. That still holds up. That Gold Zeo Ranger outfit. It does. Yeah, is my favorite Power Rangers outfit. Period. Like the Z- the Gold Ranger is a tank. And that shield is the most impressive one of all the chest shields. And not because it just didn't look like felt that they, they stuck on <laughs> because the prop broke in, in transit. Like so it actually... you, you prefer hard tacos to soft tacos. Got it. Yes, I do. <laughs> Don't we all? <laughs> and favorite non-Ranger property. You know what? I'll still say my favorite movie of all time is The Empire Strikes Back. Mm. It's... always will be an outstanding movie it's one i will always watch and i even remember the first time i watched it on dvd was the first time i saw it in widescreen and i was so caught up in seeing stuff that i hadn't seen before even small stuff like smoke coming out of the back of the snow speeder that when we got to the no i am your father line i was in i was like what wait i knew but it was just like it's one of those spoilers Listen, (laughs) but yes, those are my answers to thee for your questions. Three. I tried. Eh, It's fine. No, it's fine. So I want to go ahead and just, and and get into this episode because we have a lot of ground to cover. We do, but we have one more thing we need to mention. Oh yeah, sure. All of you listeners with attitude need to stick around until the end of the episode because we have a big announcement. Oh, yeah. Wait, is it the same announcement that I'm thinking of? I guess you'll have to wait and see too, right? <laughs> oh. So I'm really excited, Nathan, about that announcement. But before we get into all that, Nathan, you have to read our epic, 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 epileptic. What? No. <laughs> our, God. Our epic plot synopsis. <laughs> Cue the epic rock music. <laughs> The malicious computer virus Vengex has devastated humanity with an army of robots. The survivors seek refuge in the dome city of Corinth, where the mysterious and brilliant Dr. K recruits a team of ranger operators to get in gear and defend the city with advanced weapons technology she's developed. As Vengex's plans evolve, secrets are revealed and loyalties are jeopardized under the Machine Master's relentless assaults. 
So I think, I think the, I think the way I want to start out is with, like, how were we first exposed to Power Rangers RPM? Uh, Chris, you're the guest. You start us off. So, like I shared before we started recording, a couple of years ago, before the Power Purge from Netflix, I started revisiting Power Rangers just as a way to help with uh, anxiety while I was on my way to work. I had like an hour an hour plus uh, bus trip up to my place of employment at the time, and people doing unnecessary backflips and arms making whoosh noises. It's hard to be stressed while that's going on. <laughs> and as much... And like... Look, we all love the original Power Rangers, but it's it's got a charm. Mm-hmm. And most of the time when we go back to it, even though we can find legit things, it's it, it's mostly for the nostalgia. And I'm not I'm not yeah. knocking that. Nostalgia's got its place. But as I was I started to make my way through seasons I hadn't actually watched. And the last thing I had actively watched before getting into Power Rangers this time around was a bit of a Jungle Fury, especially with Forever Red, because Forever Red is dope. But then uh, when Forever I Forever Red was Wild Force. There we go. I was getting the jungle wild cat animal ones mixed up. They need to shake things up a bit. Maybe not with the trains like they do in the Sentai, but you know. <laughs> I mean, those are some really happy trains, I can tell you that. Well, yeah, but also the suits with the train ones sucked. <laughs> Anyways, back to back to answer your question. RPM, I, I just downloaded a couple episodes on a whim. I hadn't gotten onto like Power Rangers Reddit or Twitter yet. So I wasn't hearing what other people were talking about. When you see RPM at first, you're you're gonna think like, hey, that that's gonna be a bit silly because mm. The Zords have googly eyes and the suits are a bit different. They're like car meets animal. So you're like, okay, this is uh, all right. This is probably going to be Ninja Storm-esque almost. And minutes into RPM, you're like, oh, damn, I was wrong. And that's what happened with RPM. It like hits you in the face with its bleakness and it hooks you so that that's what happened with me that was my long-winded way of answering right the it's right. I, I, well my story is a little bit similar with rpm because dear i started re-watching power rangers when the pandemic started and i had not watched power rangers god for probably 15 years at that point so i went through the entire franchise i got to lost galaxy and then the purge happened and I, I, I said, what do I need to watch before it goes away in a month? And they said, Dino Thunder, RPM. I think it was just Dino Thunder and RPM for sure. So I watched Dino Thunder, sped through that, and then I watched RPM. And I don't know if it was because I just didn't have, I didn't have enough time to digest it or if it was just such, or if it was just so radically different compared to what I had seen through Mighty Morphin and Lost Galaxy. But when I first watched RPM, I didn't remember actually liking it. And I didn't necessarily know why. I, I just attribute it to the fact that I just maybe didn't have enough time to digest it. So, you know, going back almost two years or over two years later, and then going through this journey with Nathan, I can honestly say that I was wrong. RPM is wonderful. <laughs> and it does hit you in the face with its bleakness. I, I, it's the color palette, the the very Mad Max feel to that the show has is appealing because I like post-apocalyptic films. Those are some of my, that's one of my favorite genres of films to watch. Power Rangers, go to Thunderdome. 
Uh-oh. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure Linkar also made that made similar jokes. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. It's been a while since I've seen that, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Power Rangers Beyond Thunderdome. There you go. Right. So I mean, it's it's low hanging. I mean, that's that's how Nathan rolls low hanging fruit and all that. Oh, well, yeah, but your fruit's growing out of the ground. So. Oh, well, that okay. Well, you know what? I don't want to get into a pissing contest with you, Nathan. So go ahead and tell uh, the listeners honest, of that. I don't attitude. even know what that means. So <laughs> <laughs> what the pissing contest or no, or, no, that part I know. But that out okay. of the ground, I was just like, oh. I was trying to say like, that <laughs> I was trying to say his fruit is even lower than mine. That's what I was. Well, if you were also trying to say that I have a a sense of hope and, and faith that the world is going to be okay. Like our, our Ranger Dylan, when he waters the waters, the little flower coming up out of the desert, if I will take that compliment, sir. So Nate, I I have a feeling that you're on a similar, you were on a similar trajectory as me. So go ahead and just briefly tell the listeners of attitude, what you thought when you, when you first were exposed to RPM. I've known about RPM for a while, been aware of it. It's just been something that gets talked about in the Ranger and Toku community, the nerd community in general. But yeah, (laughs) yes, thank you. But I've never actually sat down and watched it until I bought the DVDs for this podcast because Power Purge happened. You're welcome. and And then watched it. Now, I was trying to go into it without letting the hype cloud mm. things. Cause I've had that happen before I've gone into things where people said, this is the bestest thing ever. And then I watched and I'm like, what did all of you see that I'm not? So I tried to temper my expectations a little bit, but I will also confess. I'm like, I really, really, really want to like this. <laughs> and Let's just say uh, after, because Michael and I watched a couple episodes together. We watched the premiere and the finale mm-hmm. together. Yeah. And after we finished, I just went onto the social media and just copied and pasted my note, my one and only note for the finale, <laughs> which was, I need a cigarette. <laughs> 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 and I don't even smoke. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah. I was surprised how good it was, and yet I wasn't. Mm-hmm. But you're also talking to somebody yeah, who enjoys the Mad Max movies, really likes Terminator, so it's hitting both of those. And it wears right. those influences on its sleeve unabashedly, oh, which is basically the attitude of this show. This is the Power Ranger season that says, no Fs are given. <laughs> So I'll, I'll quickly, I'll quickly, and yes, that just because as you guys were watching it, and I love hearing that it won you over, especially Michael, where you didn't like it the first time round, And that to me, I'm like, that's interesting, just because for me, it won me so quickly. But then rewatching it, it just re-cemented my love for it. And just, I'm not going to bury the lead. This is my favorite season of Power Rangers so far bar none i'm curious yeah. to see where it's going to fit your guys rankings when you do the whenever you do your next ranked episode yeah we're, that'll be right after this we're going to okay. do a disney era ranking episode and spoiler warning <laughs> it edged out spd and i love spd oh i i was wondering i was wondering if it would for you actually I'm going to keep mine a little bit closer to the vest, I think. Yeah, that's fair. But I I will say this. Part of the reason that I really enjoyed this 
which was initially why Michael didn't like it was just how radically different that this was. But you're talking to somebody who also loves Ultraman, and one of my favorite Ultraman series is Ultraman Nexus. And Nexus is a lot like RPM in that it's really dark. It has the trappings of the franchise that it's a part of that you expect, but it's also so radically different because it's darker, it's more grown up. It zigs in a few places where before the, the franchise had zagged that I'm just like, oh my gosh. I love it because of how bold it is. And unfortunately, Nexus was a little bit mishandled and it didn't catch on like mm. it should have. Yeah. And it's, you know, where a lot of, and I want to, I want to mention this because we always try to like where, like what the source material comes from. This comes from, oh, I'll let you do that. Never mind. Uh, Engine Sentai Go Anger, which is radically different it's drastically different it's a little In bit tone, setting a, motif everything and it's sometimes- a little like turbo it's a little like turbo and car ranger where they're recontextualizing a light-hearted yeah. season yeah yeah the zords are alive it's auto racing themed which if you pay attention you can see that bleed through a little bit yeah you, know, you can see them in the costumes the costumes look like auto racer Uniforms. Well, you can see, you can see that you can see it bleed through too when we get when we get introduced to Jim and Gemma, and you can see their helicopters yeah. talking or what looks like they're talking. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, that's really weird, but okay, that's just part of the Sentai bleeding through. But what I was going to say is, it's an incredibly dark season for what the source material was, and I think they obviously learned some lessons from Car Ranger because Car Ranger. It was was an incredibly campy, kind of silly, more comedic it season. It was a parody. It was a parody season, and they were trying to inject some really serious, weighty elements with Power Rangers. Turbo. Yeah, but they were also being really silly, so it feel it's very inconsistent. And mm-hmm. if honestly, if Turbo had just picked a tone and stuck to it, I would have been more forgiving of it. But because now, it couldn't pick one. It drove me crazy. Now, here is my question. I think it's a question worth asking since we have Chris here as a guest. There has been a lot of talk within Ranger fandom, especially since the popularity of the Boom Studios comics has escalated, Mm -hmm. that people want a more serious version of Power Rangers. Now, here's my question. We've seen things like Power Rangers Unauthorized, which is incredibly dark and is a satire, and people apparently don't know that, but it's incredibly dark and, and cynical and nihilistic. Then you've got the Boom Studios comics that are a little bit more on the mature side. Mm-hmm. Do Your you favorite think, movie. <laughs> do you think that this is as dark as the main show needs to be, or could it have been darker? I, in short, yes. Like, RPM is such a phenomenal, but strange, it it very much is lightning in a bottle kind of thing, Mm -hmm. where as we're like, I know we're going to get to the background momentarily, but when you pause to think about all the things that were working against it and all the moving pieces, like when you look at Go Onger and you see just how silly that is. Yeah when Gazellian promised everything that he did and then he saw go longer and his re his immediate response had expletives. Like when you stumble almost backwards into such a phenomenal show and that's Mm -hmm. not knocking him. It's just, he made promises before he saw it. And then 
you get the seriousness, the tone, even within the levity. I don't think that Power Rangers as a show can or needs to go darker because as much as I might want that to a degree, as long as it's on television, it's bread and butter will always be children. Yeah. It's always going to be. And this is like RPM has that balance where it's going to be dark where like it's bleak in the sense of thousands of people have died, but you only get like <laughs> one or not two just thousands. Oh yeah. No, no. Like hundreds of millions have died, but like you only get a couple like not dying on screen characters, but like Scott's brother, the Butler dude, like both of those are characters you get to know in episodes and then they mm. die in those episodes. Like you can't get much darker for kids. If they wanted right. to throw adults a bone and like with a Netflix show, then I'd be like RPMs your template and you can loosen up some of the zaniness a little bit. But mm. I don't think like that power slash Rangers thing I hated because I'm like, when was Power Rangers ever about Zack snorting Coke off of Scorpina amongst other <laughs> stupid things? Yeah. <laughs> like that's, that's not the Power Rangers we've always wanted. Yeah. 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 I, of uh, I'm of the Sorry, opinion that it's no, it's fine. <laughs> I'm of the opinion that I'm going to keep this brief, but I'm of the opinion that if you change the tone of something too much, it ceases to be the thing and you may as well just make it something new. Yeah. I'm not opposed to having darker, more gro- more mature Power Rangers, but Power Rangers Unauthorized went way overboard. And it, it's not Power Rangers to me at that point. If you wanted to make a Power Ranger pastiche, because there's quote-unquote mature tokusatsu out there. It exists. Yeah. You can oh, yeah. find it, but it doesn't it does. have to be Power Rangers. Although I will say RPM is now the third time I have watched something Power Rangers where I I honestly felt like if this could have been on prime time and they could have oh, loosened yeah. a few things up, it would have actually made it a little bit better. The other ones were, I would say, in space, definitely Time Force. Time yeah. Force almost ended up in prime time, and I kind of wish it had. And now this one, and I'm like, just that's what just like, just loosen up a tiny bit more. You know, well, I think it's the, a nitpick. It's a nitpick. Yeah, but you, I, 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 I think the point like, that I was sorry. <laughs> no, you're Please good. I'm, I'm, I, no, I was just. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make one quick point, and then we can move on. I just find it really interesting that typically throughout my watch through of Super Sentai, Super Sentai tends to be a more mature show. It's still intended for kids, but the the difference of sensibilities between Japanese children yeah. te- children's television and Americans children tele- children's television is incredible. It's it's like night and day almost. So oh, yeah. for this show for RPM to be darker than even the Sentai that it's based from is really an, in, is really an interesting part of this show to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I was going to quickly say, I think, and I, I, I believe you guys would agree and I want to quickly shout out and plug listener. If you want a great, like quote, mature take on power Rangers where it's like, it's dark, it's serious. It's, it doesn't have the tropes as much as say the shows would, then the place you want to go even beyond the boom studios comics is the power rangers audio drama yes <laughs> that's where you go for your like tell me that carl dutton wouldn't like that rpm wouldn't be lined up perfectly with almost like with what he's going got going on 
on the audio drama. It, it would fit right in. Like some of the stuff that he's done with the characters in earlier seasons, I'm like, yeah, that lines up with Dr. K, the episode in terms of like messed up stuff that yeah. you can explore with in Power Rangers. Yeah. And to your point about prime time, Nathan, I was going to say the Dr. K episode that could go on nine o'clock on like a science fiction channel in pr- or like a major network in prime time. It's that oh, for serious sure. and dark. Yeah, well, I think. Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. Yeah. It's it's just so fascinating to me that that the only reason why this season even got made is because of Bandai mandates. Like oh, that yeah. is that is incredible. Yeah, actual obligations. They were going to end it with Jungle Fury because of low ratings. But then they're like, oh, wait, contract says one more. So then they're like, well, screw it. (laughs) 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 Screw it. We're going nuts. Which this is the second time where they get the best when they do that. (laughs) Right. Well, that's what I was going to say, Chris, because like this is the second time in Ranger history where they were facing cancellation and they say, you know what? Screw it. We're just going (laughs) to we're just going to throw every thing we can throw at it. No, dragon (laughs) dragon float. (laughs) (laughs) anyway so to finish up some quick background details because we got to get through this fast we have a lot to talk about so eddie gazellian was producer this time he was he replaced bruce callish no more callish explosions although they kind of use callish explosions to their advantage one time you just know bruce callish watched that episode and shed one little tear of joy and they finally did it right. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so he was the former executive producer on American Dragon Jake Long, which I barely remember existing, mm-hmm. and he was a story editor on Kim Possible, which is kind of funny because her wristwatch communicator sounds eerily similar to the Rangers communicator. <laughs> yeah, so he was brought on a showrunner. He, you mentioned it already. He promised a darker, more mature show. Then he freaked out when he saw how goofy the sad tie was. <laughs> I believe the quote was, and I'm not going to say it exactly because it would be dragon daggered, but <laughs> it was like, are those dragon daggered googly eyes? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, due to micromanagement and going over budget, Disney suddenly cared. They basically been apathetic to power engine. Then they suddenly cared and they fired him around the midpoint of the season. And they also fired Jackie Marchand, unfortunately. Yeah. So with that, it's, it's been speculated. Like there's an alarming amount or not an alarming, but a lot of stuff that have been like rumored and speculated on that. I wish Gazellium would full on confirm like the budget. And you can see it in the show because the first like 12 episodes, there's, insanely little Sentai footage. It's mostly new footage. It's speculated Mm -hmm. that they blew like 90% of the budget within the first like 12 episodes of the show. Boy. I mean, that wouldn't, that wouldn't really surprise. It wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. 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 The other thing I would love to hear is like a confirmation on his planned ending because the rumor we'll get to that but we will yeah we'll get to that i found some details about it while i was digging around doing some research but he was replaced with judd lynn who had worked on power rangers i believe it was up through in space for sure yeah Yeah, it was it was for sure in space i know that i don't yeah yeah i think maybe he had some involvement on lost galaxy but i'm not 100 yeah but because also under a synonym worked on on jungle fury a bit okay Yeah, yeah that's true 
But because Gazellian didn't tell anybody what his plans were, including Lynn, and Lynn was crunched for time, he fell back on what he knew worked before, which we'll get into. Yeah. There's a particular plot line that was affected by this, and I have some opinions on it. Oh, I knew uh, you would. <laughs> yeah. So the, after this, obviously, this is... I mean, yeah, there was there was Power Rangers reversioned, but this was technically the end of the Disney era. Saban bought it back. I have been told he bought it back for less money than he sold it, which is why he's a brilliant businessman, I guess. The title, Bandai officially says it stands for racing performance machines in real life it means revolutions per minute which i don't know if this was intended or not but the my english major brain went nuts and said like revolutions per minute because you know they're talking about gear uh, parts in a car spinning that's a revolution but i'm like oh what's this actually about it's about <laughs> fighting a revolution against machines oh clever Maybe unintentionally clever, but clever. <laughs> and here's the funny thing. This is post-apocalyptic, and it was retconned. Because this was originally intended to be the last season of Power Rangers. So they're like, screw it, we'll blow the world up. Th fans initially theorized that it had to take place after the future year 3000 bits of Time Force. Mm -hmm. Which, that's a little bit dubious. But it has since been retconned as a parallel universe. So this is not part of the same universe as Mighty Morphin and everything else. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a little bit of a cliffhanger in this, which doesn't get resolved until Beast Morphers. <laughs> and the reason Judd Lynn threw it in there was just as a Hail Mary, like, hey, in case they want to continue it, then we can continue with RPM. But Disney was still like, nope, you're done. <laughs> yep. Yep. And this is the first Power Ranger season to directly reference the Sentai because the Rangers have a vehicle for a couple of episodes that looks like a souped up RV that's called Go Onger. <laughs> it's an acronym. It was the it was the mystery machine or the shagging wagon, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just thinking of like turn left. I want to avoid traffic. We're in a post-apocalyptic nightmare, dude. There's not gonna be traffic. <laughs> All righty. So with all of that out of the way, let's dive into this. We have to start with the theme song, as we always do. I have found out that there are a lot of people in the fandom who hate this theme song, to which I say, why? It could because, and this is me putting myself in the shoes of the of the, of the viewer, because it, it sounds like generic rock music, but I'm okay with that. This is a Power Ranger theme in the vein of Metallica. What are you talking about? This is true. I will partially push back on that just because I love Metallica so much. <laughs> I, I So Nathan and I have chatted about this. Like I like this theme, but I also get why other people don't enjoy it as much. When you look at the, the list of Ranger themes, good and bad, it has more lyrics than just Power Rangers RPM getting gear. Power Rangers RPM, we stand together. And then like a bunch of loud guitar riffs. The guitar riffs are cool, but it doesn't tell it instrumentally informs you with the show, but you also get that like Dr. K voice message. Whereas mm -hmm. some of the demos, even though they don't communicate the no Fs are given, they tell the story <laughs> of the show in punk pop, yeah. the punk pop harmony. And I'm a fan of that one. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. The other I demos I will say are more, <laughs> on brand for the Disney era. 
but I don't think they really communicate the attitude of the show. If I watched this, started watching the show and I saw that theme song and I'm like, really? Is it just going to be like Jungle Fury all over again? And then they, and then it starts off and it's like, <laughs> and millions died. I'm like, what the frick show? I mean, it's not like Neon Genesis Evangelion, which has a ridiculously upbeat theme song because it's supposed to be ironic. <laughs> Weirdly, though, I think it would. I I push back, and I think that poppy one, that pop punky one, might fit, even though it gives you that whiplash, because that's a microcosm of RPM. RPM will have that dark whiplash effect, and then they'll be like, "I'm talking about that 15 foot fire explosion right there," (laughs) like the the self aware stuff. It could work for me. Is all I'm saying. Mm. Well, I get it. A lot of stuff. Now, this will be the trend for this episode because it'll, I'm sure it'll come up. There's a lot of stuff in this season that should not work that actually yes. ends up working. Yeah, that that might be the secret to RPM and why it's so good. Like when you look at all the things that should be how it shouldn't, it simply shouldn't work and they somehow do. Oh, my gosh. Well, if you think yeah. even about and we can move on from here, but if you think even about how much turmoil there there was behind the scenes with being over budget, the the transfer of power from uh, Gazellian. Gazellian, thank you. I almost called him because I don't, I don't know why I call him Giselle, but whatever. From Gazellian. I thought to, you were going to call him Gazelle Man or something like no, that. No, from it's the Gazellian Zord. <laughs> from, from Gazellian to Judd Lynn. All that chaos that probably was going on behind the scenes, Jackie Marchan leaving the show. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like if you said all that stuff on paper, this show, this season would be doomed to fail. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that as we have been learning on this journey, that happened to a lot of Power Ranger seasons and they the best ones figured out how to work within that. I mean, to go to get, you know, use the comparison to in space again, because we kind of alluded to it in space is going to be the last one. So they just said, okay, fine. We're just going to go nuts after turbo. And so like, Oh, look, we have pictures from mega ranger. Oh, it must be set in outer space. And then they get the rest of it. Like, this is not outer space, but we (laughs) promised the space show. And so they, they worked with it and you got the same thing. here <laughs> at least they promised after seeing some pictures they didn't pre-promise and then realize right so it's ours had googly eyes i think th- i think the story of i think the story of power rangers is just going to be simply yeah it was full of a lot of happy accidents yeah a, a lot of serendipitous moments happened that actually ended up working in our favor although yeah. i i will say with rpm and listener you're going to hear me talk this show up a lot it's because i love it i think it's i haven't buried the lead and i know we're about to get into the cast and honestly this is my favorite cast of rangers in terms of acting caliber i forgot where i was going because rpm is dope (laughs) all right well then let's get into our characters i think we've established yeah we like the theme song i think people need to stop hating on it because i love the no Fs are given attitude that it has because <laughs> that's what Power Rangers really should be. I said this all the way back in the first episode. Power Ranger theme songs are steeped in rock and metal, and it's all about youthful rebellion in some form or another. Just positive versions of it. Well, the uh, one, this is like one of the last Power Rangers theme songs that wasn't just a rehash of Go Go. Oh, good Power Lord. Rangers. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And then two, the other thing I remembered was there's speculation with more shows. Like, should they do more like non-Sentai footage? RPM, I think, is a great example of why, yes, they could. Because when they do it right, oh, damn. All right. Yeah. Sorry. And they've yeah. been slowly moving. They've been slowly moving towards that ever since. Yeah. 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 Except in the Neo Saban era where I'm looking at you, Megaforce, you're lazy. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So, lazy Rangers. what? I said, you lazy bum. Yes. Get up, Rock. Get yes. Up, rock. Yeah. Yes. Quite. Anyway. So well, uh, get to our Rangers, starting with our red Ranger, Scott Truman played by Eka Darville. Here's the thing. When I was looking into this, watching the Disney brain, good Lord, Disney brain had six videos on this show alone and more than any of the other ones. And apparently it's sky from SPD all over again. A lot of people don't like Scott at the beginning of the show. Why? And they did not like him until he was developed more later. And I'm like, I did not have that reaction. Maybe yeah. I just sort of inherently knew that there was more going on with him than we could initially see. Plus I'm also thinking, well, basically most of the world just ended. So well, yeah, I mean, the, the, the common thread between all of these characters is they've, they've all experienced some level or degree of trauma. Right. Oh yeah. Right. And Scott, I mean, uh, I was just thinking about like, like the name Truman. I mean, that could be a reference to the president, you know, president Truman, but I'm also thinking, you know, it's true man. You know, so and he's learning how to be a true man. He has to he grow all of these characters grow in some form or another. Mm -hmm. And he definitely develops quite a bit when you see his first focus episode and you find because uh, what I love about how this show starts and it's kind of it's very Japanese where it just throws you into the middle of the madness and we don't exactly know what's going on. And then the we get. Ranger? what <laughs> what's a power, power ranger? ranger yeah 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 and RPM. then we get the focus episodes that do flashbacks that then put each of the characters as we saw them in the in the premiere into context like oh that's why this guy was out in the wilderness and that's why this guy was driving the bus and you know it all makes sense and I love that. Like I said, it's very Japanese sort of storytelling where they throw you into the middle and then later they explain things so it's very in media res. Well, it's all and all of their stories are interconnected too. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. They end up being very interconnected. So we find out in his first one, he's Air Force. He's military. Him and his brother were serving together. His dad, who's one of the is supporting that? cast members. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, but we'll get to that. And his dad always favored his brother over him. So he's got a chip on his shoulder. And even though he, you know, but despite that, he does love his brother. And then his brother gets killed in action yep. right in front of him. And that's one of those moments where I'm like, I was like, hi, I'm RPM. No Fs are given. <laughs> it's, it's, no one is safe in RPM. No one is safe. Well, and, uh, except so like, Jim and Gemma, they're so safe. Yeah, but I'm like, so that makes so much sense now. He's probably a little authoritarian because he's right. like, I lost my brother. I'm trying to impress my dad. So I'm the leader of this team and I'm going to do everything I can to make sure everyone is okay. And if that means being a bit authoritarian, I'll be a bit authoritarian. <laughs> well, it's, it's, he's trying to protect what he loves. Yeah. Yeah. Well, 
when you look at Scott with how his and uh, jokingly calling him a dick aside, although he can be like I, I I actually enjoy his dad's character, but his dad was a bit of a, a dick to him. But then he grew up in a military like it with a military father. He grew into the military, like discipline and following orders and. Like, even though you might challenge or question, like you'd still follow your commander when he's in command. Like, of course, that's going to bleed into it. And then you get a guy like Dylan, who we'll get to in a little. I know we'll get to in a little bit, like who doesn't give an F about anybody's rules. Yeah, I know. Which is what's great about it is the. The character dynamics in this work incredibly well because they play off of each other with their own quirks and everything. Their dynamics are just fantastic. The show even goes far enough to where Doctor I think it's Dr. K that actually calls out like their their different archetypes. Oh yeah, oh, their yeah. strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then Tanaya does it very comically later. <laughs> oh well yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that. <laughs> but I want to say this though. Yeah, so his first focus episode, which is called Ranger Red, with that flashback was an eye opener. But then it leads to what might quite possibly be my favorite episode of the show. And the Disney brain called this the perfect focus episode, which is Heroes Among Us. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love this episode. This is one of those ones where it really shows how mature it is. Not mature as in, look at us kill people and be all edgy. And we are Power Rangers edgelords. No, there's none of that. hate he, that so much. <laughs> <laughs> we have, so we have this situation where he gets upset with his dad for giving a medal to one of the new Rangers who's just a, acts like a child. Let's just. We'll get to it. We'll get him gem. We'll get to him in a second, but he acts like a child and gives him a, a medal of valor, but doesn't even pay attention to the fact that he was defending the city too from all the bad guys. So he acts out, goes off into the wilderness, and then gem catches up. They have a nice little heart to heart. Then they find some humans who have been captured by the robots. They just stumble across them, put together an impromptu rescue mission, manage to succeed at it. And then his dad decides to give him a Medal of Valor. And if this had been, I would say, almost any other season of Power Rangers, they just would have said, well, all we care about are the results, so I'm going to keep the medal. But no, no, Scott's like, he just takes off, gives it back and says, I can't accept this. I literally pulled that rescue mission out of my rear. Yeah. And I, the only reason I was out there was because I was acting out. I will take that medal when I've earned it and when I've done it right. Yeah. And I'm like, hot dang show. Hot dang. <laughs> yep. It is very, very rare where you can make a story that has a satisfying ending where the character is offered what he wanted, his mm-hmm. goal. He has offered his goal and he turns it down. Yeah. I'm like, I wish I could give an award for like best episode because that would be my winner right there. Even with all the epic, crazy stuff that happens throughout the rest of the show. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I like Scott. I was probably one of the people in the audience that did not like Scott because I felt like it was just a rehash of sky. And I was not sure 
how much growth Scott was going to have throughout this season and and pleasantly surprised. Yes, he ha- he has a tremendous amount of growth. He he learns to trust people. He learns to not necessarily get over his grief for his brother, but deal with it in a healthy way. He he grows immensely through this mm-hmm. through the season. And the, and this and we'll get to him in a minute, but this season wants you to focus on Dylan and that story, but I think Scott deserves equal, if not a little bit more focus throughout a little mm-hmm. bit more appreciation throughout this season. Mm-hmm. And well, it, this season is unique in many ways. I think you actually pointed this out, Chris, in one of your videos. This is one of the rare seasons of Power Rangers. that has a color combination that we don't normally see. They have a black and a green that mm-hmm. does that almost never happens. They don't have a pink Ranger in this. I, I, I think the last time you had black and green on the main team together, at least to my knowledge, might be Mighty Morphin, like back way back in season one, even though Tom, mm-hmm. like because they grouped in Tommy more and more and more. I can't think of another season where on the core team you had black and green again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think yeah. you're right. I think you're right. I think the last time was Mighty Morphin. When mm-hmm. Tommy was green, when Tommy was green, yeah, because they normally black. switch between black and green, yeah, to the point that the psycho black was like, "Yeah, I'll go for the green," or I can't remember his exact line, <laughs> yeah. but it was. Uh, he just not, went after the green. He's just like, ah, "You're close enough." <laughs> yeah, it was the not the. the yeah, well, or, or maybe this is going to sound horrible, but I was like, maybe he just was like, well, your ranger color is green, but you're a black man. Oh my God. <laughs> no. Wow. Wow. Because psycho black is racist. Anyway. God. Anyway, <laughs> moving on to, <laughs> moving on to our blue ranger. Yeah. Played by Flynn McAllister. No, no, his name is Flynn McAllister. Oh, I'm sorry. His name is Flynn. I'm sorry. His name is Flynn McAllister. Played by Ari Boyland. Ari Boyland. Ari Boyland. And all I got to say is, he's f***ing Scottish. <laughs> A dragon dagger. Anyway. I, the dude, the dragon sword is just inching closer every time. <laughs> <laughs> I I have to. I'm so sorry to our friend in Scotland that we that we communicate with. I know he I, he ironically loves my accent, or he doesn't. I don't know. He probably hates it. I'm pretty sure he hates it, but it, it's fine. Yeah, well, he hasn't even seen RPM yet, and I'm just like, dude, you have to. Yeah, I mean, it's a Scotsman as a ranger. <laughs> anyway, well, what's crazy is Ari Boyland is actually a Kiwi. He's not Scottish. I had me fold. <laughs> yeah, for sure. What? I mean, Flynn admittedly has the least going on for him compared to the rest yeah. of the cast. But it's more than made up by Ari Boylan's just incredibly enthusiastic performance. Oh, yeah. That dude is committed. Like <laughs> He's committed 110%. <laughs> like, it's actually really interesting when you look at this cast. Like, Eka Darville, who would go on to do... Uh, like, he played the, the drug addict roommate in Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. Where I'm just like, when I saw him in that, I was like, oh, damn, it's Ranger Red. What happened? But then, like, Eka has some understatement to some of his performance. Ari just goes all out, but in the most 
energetic, fun way that you're just here for it. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, it's one of the things I think was what makes the show work. Because when I went into this, the way I heard the show described was that it was incredibly dark, but also humorously self-aware. Like, how do you do that? And they showed me how you can do that. And I have thoughts on that. But I think with Ari Boyland, when you look at Flynn's background, he grew up as this superhero loving comic book reading kid. And his dad was incredibly practical. We don't see his mother. So I'm assuming mom is not in the picture for whatever reason. Maybe she died or something happened. And his dad is hyper practical. His dad is a mechanic. And she's like, why are you filling your head with all this nonsense? Who gets suspended for getting beaten up? Like I, I don't know, but he's just like, I love this stuff and I want to help people. And then we see that he's kind of a screw up because he keeps trying to be a police officer, a firefighter or whatever. And it's all failing miserably. And his dad is not entirely happy. Then the apocalypse happens. And then he makes a choice to say, Dad, I need to help people. I'm going to go jump on this bus and I'm going to save a bunch of people. I'm going to drive out there outside the city and I'm going to get a bunch of people on the bus and bring them back in because that's the right thing to do. And I love it. I mean, it has some, one of the best exchanges, actually, <laughs> of the show where he gets a little girl. Like he runs out there, beats up one of the grinders, grabs this little girl, brings her in, and in a rare instance when we can talk about death and power rangers the little girl says are we going to die and his response is not today <laughs> <laughs> you know one thing i did realize by th when i was thinking about flynn he is probably the most optimistic of our team of our, our mm -hmm. characters he doesn't i mean i don't we don't get a chance to really learn his backstory with his mom we can assume that dad is either divorced or his mother passed away we don't know but each of our characters have a clear point of tragedy in their life it seems as though flynn has been the luckiest one among them because he still has his father alive with him he does forth and his dad seems to approve of him now. I was wondering, that could have been something that maybe they could have kept going throughout the season. Him always trying to prove himself to his dad, mm -hmm. you know, trying to get his dad's approval. But otherwise, through the rest of the season, he's the optimistic one. I guess if, I don't know if he would be the heart of the team. Now it's more like Ziggy, but, uh, but he's a close second. He is a close, yeah. he has a close second. He's definitely, he, he definitely has that kind of stubborn, you know, stubbornness to him where he's just like, I'm going to do the right thing, no matter what it, t it takes yeah. that sort of a thing. I love his attitude. Yeah. You wouldn't see <laughs> and, him walking away from his ranger duties when other people showed up and did them better. Sorry. <laughs> I'm still angry at once a ranger. I'll never not be angry. Uh -oh. <laughs> anyway, oh, we, we felt I, your pain. <laughs> I, I I will repeat: the show hates its team, and it hates me for making me watch it. Yes, I also formally yes. want to thank you for the shout out at the beginning of that episode. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> you're you're welcome. You're welcome. But so, I, admittedly. The argument could be made that maybe they should have leaned more into his you know, kind of old fashioned. I love classic superheroes sort of a thing for the rest of the season. They lean more into his practical skills because he's a mechanic. He, he's sculpting. <laughs> it probably though would have, it probably would have come off 
maybe a little bit too childish or silly. Maybe. Yeah. And we already have two characters who basically fill that, not void, but you know, that trope. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Not talking crap, son. (laughs) I'm not talking crap at all. I'm just, I am merely reporting facts. Good, sir. The, 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 the one, the one thing I will say before we move on from Flynn is there is a really nice exchange between him and his dad. And it's really saccharine. Mm -hmm. It's really sweet when he gets off the bus and I can not remember the exact line now. I should have wrote, I should have written it down like a, like a good co-host, but it's something to the effect of, I was a real life superhero, uh, or I was being, a, I, I just fo- I just pretended to be the superheroes I read about or something like that. And his father says, well, I'm looking at a real life superhero now talking about him saving the children. So that's, it's a really nice moment. It was kind of saccharine, but you know, sometimes saccharine is okay. I also, I, I like that they had that dynamic. I like that Flynn, you could argue, was the most well-adjusted of all oh, of them. Have, because you know, even, though, yeah, even though he had some, even though he had some trauma, like, like, he, like you pointed out, he was the most put together. And mm. I do think that if there, as much as it could have been interesting for him to have that dynamic with his father going forward, that might have been too much of a crossover with, like some of the story elements you were getting with Scott and his father, Colonel true. (laughs) (laughs) Did I just segue so I could call his dad a again? Maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe. Although I will say, I will say some of my favorite moments with, (laughs) with Flynn is when he does his Braveheart impersonation. That was kind of, Oh my gosh. And well, like, when he figures out how to use a background explosion to his advantage. <laughs> I also love that he he's the ranger that asked, even though there's that scene where they all ask Dr. K the, the <laughs> almost fourth wall breaking questions. But when he's like, is it absolutely necessary <laughs> that we <laughs> yell RPM getting gear at the top of our lungs? Yeah, then that, yeah. that, converse, that conversation is going to come up later in my awards. Don't oh, worry. I, oh yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Here's the thing. I will say this about that part of the show before we move on. This show is self-aware, but it technically doesn't break the fourth wall. That's fair. That's yeah, fair. Ninja Storm breaks the fourth wall. Yeah, that's true. This uh, show just looks at what's actually happening in universe, and they're like, "Do we actually have to do that?" And then Doctor K gets offended and gives justification for everything. <laughs> well, and RPM had the self-aware humor before that became a trope in and of itself and obnoxious. It mm-hmm. balances the self-aware aspects so well. Yeah, I would argue that that is a way to kind of show, like, yeah, this show is for kids, and it's okay if it's okay if you're grown up to still enjoy this because we're gonna point out that some of these tropes are kind of crazy, but then we're gonna justify them in universe. Right. So it's well, not mo- it's not mean spirited. No, at exactly. All. It's like it, it's gonna poke at the tropes, and there's enough stuff in RPM to watch as a child where you're like, Ooh, explosions. And the cars have googly eyes and ha ha ha. And Ziggy said fart or something, <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't think he once says fart. You get what I mean? 
Yeah. And then it's like, hey, we're going to do an episode with Dr. K where you find out that she killed the world accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, basically. But she's I on mean, the list, man. We got to get through stuff. Anyway. Well, I mean, it, it, Dr. Dr. K is obviously a little ray, of, a little ray of sunshine. Uh, but oh, speaking of little, speaking of a little ray of sunshine, I was waiting for that transition. We got to talk about summer. Summer uh, lands lands down. Yeah. Played by uh, Rose McIver. I hope I said that right. According to the Disney brain, she is the best Yellow Ranger ever. <laughs> huh. mm, I mean, eh, I mean, mm, yeah, I mean, she's I dang can, good. She she's has, awesome, pro she's yeah. probably the most dramatically different compared to her pre-apocalypse self. Let's be honest. She's the one. She's the one that I feel like had the most growth. And she had a lot taken from her. And I think that's why they gave her a two part focus episode as opposed to giving ever as opposed to one for everybody right. else. Cause she had a lot of ground to cover. We find out that pre apocalypse, she was your typical stuck up rich girl. Yeah. Her parents ignored her cause they're all always running around gallivanting. Now we see a little bit of a different side to her because she's very, sad that her parents don't show up for a party that she's throwing mm -hmm. and she wanted everybody to be there but all, the only people who came were her fake rich friends yeah and we also get the impression that her butler sees more in her than even she i think realizes that she has and then like i said the apocalypse happens and she can't find her parents. Her friends abandon her, literally. Like, they kick her out of the Jeep. You'll be fine, Summer. You'll be fine. <laughs> You'll be fine. And then what is she doing? And this has to be one of the most striking scenes in the entire show. She is running around with fists full of dollars, begging for help. But as we find out, in, you know, in a situation like this, money means nothing. One of the right. rare times. <laughs> <laughs> Money means nothing at this point. So everything that she fell back on abandons her. She can't find her parents. Her friends no longer care. No one cares about her money anymore. Her money is just paper, but the butler still cares. Andrews. Andrews, you figure out how to be cooler than Spencer, but Spencer's held back by the fact that he was in Operation Overdrive. <laughs> brief, whoa, 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 whoa. breathe, breathe, breathe. <laughs> well, we're not we're not bringing Rant Master out for this one. No, we're keeping it Praise Master. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Rave Master. That's how that's how there this works. There you go. And then the show says, "Hey, remember how many F's I don't give? We're killing the Butler." Seriously. On screen. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not like, you know, it's not like Marcus, Scott's brother, who's in a plane next to him while they're flying and his plane explodes. No, no we're like, <laughs> we're actually going to show you him getting hurt by the grinders. He's going to fall down. And then we're going to have this really dramatic scene where Summer is holding his hand and saying, please don't die. Please don't die. And he's like, I hope you will see what I've always seen in you. Uh, you know, what's inside is the most important. And then he dies on screen. I'm like, frick. <laughs> yeah, you texted me during that episode. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, my gosh, show. <laughs> we're still not going to say, well, he died, but we're going to still show it. <laughs> well, he was destroyed. We'll say yeah, whatever they I'm think. I'm so glad that they did not ruin it by using that terminology. They're just like, 
here he is. He's dying. He's dead. Now we have to move on. But we're not. It's just wow. And then she gets to Corinth finally. Mm -hmm. And she meets her parents and her parents are just wanting her. Basically, they just want to use her to you know continue their own way of life or whatever. And she's like, no, mom and dad. I'm going to go do something better with my life. I'm going to jump on this motorcycle. I'm going to go save that pilot who just got shot down. His name might be Scott and he might be my teammate later. I'm going to go save him now. And then we get the scene from the beginning of the show. And yeah. I was just struck by this two-parter. I'm just good Lord. <laughs> I need more of this in my life. <laughs> it was, well, it was when I watched it, I think I texted you, Nathan, after I'd watched it. And that's, that's when I thought the theme of the, of, of the show was going to be, oh shoot, what I say? Growing up too soon or no, finding, finding it your way, finding your way. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's when I thought the show was, I thought that's, that's when I thought the theme of the show was going to be finding your way because she was this debutante rich girl who had everything on a silver platter given to her and she didn't want for anything. Everything was handed to her, but suddenly she's thrown into a situation where she's kind of got to fend for herself and she's mm -hmm. got to rely on what her, well, her father figure that was more of a father figure to her than her real father taught her. Yeah. And then the weird thing is, after we see how just honestly how terrible a person she was pre-apocalypse, and then we see her now, she's kind of perfect. But it makes weird sense that she would be. Mm -hmm. She had to, probably more than any of these other rangers, she really, really had to grow up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Yeah. She <sighs> actually might be, I might have to agree with Disney Brain, she might be the best Yellow Ranger. She the the growth you see from her from those flashback episodes, which kudos to them because Summer starts strong. She's mm -hmm. the one that's able to cut cut through Dylan's like I'm a tough guy bullcrap kind of thing. She calls <laughs> she calls his <laughs> the, the bad boy. Yeah. yeah, it's like do you have to practice that? And <laughs> it's it's not cheesy as she asks it. You see, it, she'll also challenge scott where it's almost like mm -hmm. most of the time when you look at the rangers it's like red's the leader and blue is second in command but not knocking flynn you know scott's the leader but summer will summer will challenge and she'll push back mm -hmm. in that good challenging way so you right. see all that where i'm like oh damn i actually can't she might be the best yellow ranger <laughs> <laughs> this whole time i've just been like oh my gosh <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's been some great Yellow Rangers in the history of this franchise, but yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, and her parents, as much as I, I don't have a nickname for them like Colonel Trude, I do think that her parents... <laughs> You're just not going to let it go, are you? I'm not going to, no. I think her parents went to the Odin school of parenting because they're just the worst. Like even yeah, they the, are they, to be honest the when they're just like, Oh, I'm worthy. We'll get jobs. I'm like, I don't like you. You can yeah, die you know on what? or off screen I, and I would be happy. Yeah, <laughs> well, you know what? That the, those parents are probably the campiest thing in this entire show. And because they're kind of like, they're basically caricatures of rich people. Then we find out, Oh, we don't have any money. We but we need you to marry this rich guy so that we can have money again. Then she's like, oh, 
And I know the fiancé's parents are even worse, and they're supposed to make me feel less annoyed by Summer's parents, but no, they're still the worst. They're, yeah, because yeah, her, her, her should have got them. Because her, her, her parents were like, well, we're wow. just going to get a job. Like, getting a job is a is some a big achievement. Well, I guess it is now, because, well, for some people, getting a job is a big deal, because some people are lazy. Anyway. So anyway, so yeah. Quite, uh, arguably the best Yellow Ranger ever. And then we get to one of the fan favorite characters in this show. And you would think on the surface that this character wouldn't work, but like so many things in RPM, it shouldn't work, but it does. I despised this character when I first, when we first were introduced to him and I did not like, I just did not like Ziggy. Ziggy Grover played by Milo Cawthorn. By the way, I found out that he actually was married to Olivia Tennant, who played Dr. K for a while. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cute, because they kind of have a thing at the end of it all. They yeah. do, but they that got was, divorced. That was actually oh. something that in the History of Power Rangers series, Linkara was like, oh, that's cute. I hope they get together, which they did in real life. Unfortunately, that joke doesn't hold up, but it was super cute at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, Ziggy Grover. The most unlikely of Power Rangers, I think, quite possibly ever. This kid is the textbook definition of underdog. This kid is the textbook definition of right place, right time. Yeah, he is. And we find out, I'm still not entirely sure how this works, but Corinth still has a seedy criminal underbelly, even after the robot apocalypse. And we find out that he used to be a, I don't know what you would call him, but he worked in the mob. A driver. A driver. Yeah. Yeah, basically. I wish they would have explained how that happened and how someone as incompetent as him could have gotten anywhere. Maybe he was just in the mafia. Maybe he was just a boy. (laughs) (laughs) I think they kind of did in the Ranger Green episode. Like, they showed him failing the test. And then the weirdest name character of Fresno Bob. <laughs> like, all right, I'm here for it. It's a weird name, but I'm here for it. Yeah, Fresno Bob, who's the most Italian mobster who ever Italian mobstered. I just... Seriously, he is the Italian mobsters what uh what Ari is to Scottish people. Or what he <laughs> is to Scots. <laughs> like but he shows like Ziggy, you're a likable guy, but we can't use you if you keep failing your test. But then the apocalypse happens and then they're going to run out of mobs henchmen. So it's almost like the, well, we like you and you're here and you're available. So we'll go with it. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to lead your license in <laughs> like in a post-apocalyptic hellscape. Yeah. Yeah. So, he's the one he's kind of awkward he makes jokes that are kind of awkward to cope with everything that's going on and when we meet him he's basically trying to mug dylan which is always a bad idea especially when you don't have a real gun (laughs) (laughs) and then we find out that basically he got in trouble with the mob because he decided to do the right thing and give medical supplies to kids instead of to the mob and he didn't tell anybody, so then they wouldn't go steal. Uh... Ziggy's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Ziggy is awesome because then he, because then basically what happens is everyone's trying to get the green morpher, 
And I like actually how the morphing works in this, where the suits basically get teleported onto the Rangers. So we actually see the suits in storage. Mm -hmm. And then when they're being used, they disappear and then they reappear on the Rangers. It's great. I actually really like that detail. But they're trying to find somebody to be the Green Ranger, which leads to one of the weirder but funny bits on the show where they do American Idol or America's Got Talent or whatever you want to call it. Rangers got talent. Rangers, Rangers got talent. Yeah. That and was one of the times with RPM where I'm like, this is a kid's show, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay, Chris. This is supposed to be a kid's show. Not everything is going to be for you. Exactly. Yeah. That was one of those ones where I'm like, all right, it's funny. It's if I want the series, I'll get to Dr. K or later in the Ranger green episode. But did you notice the rest of the Rangers are like, why are we wasting time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think that speaks to Ziggy, like Ziggy as a character, they show he's so just inherently likable that when he's in jail, how many security guards does he get like wrapped up in his stories and everything? Yeah. Like the other people are just like, we're along for the ride. And then they're like, wait, why are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then what's kind of great is his dynamic with Dylan, and we'll get to Dylan, is kind of awesome because they and they basically become brothers mm-hmm. and it works so incredibly well because they are so opposite from each other. Yep. They're such polar opposites, but they learn to respect each other as time goes on. Despite all, despite their weird quirks that shouldn't mix, they should be oil and water, but they somehow work. And Ziggy becomes a ranger because in desperation to keep the green morpher from the bad guys, he's just like, put it on, hit the button. It's bonded to me now. You can't have it. (laughs) Well, I think Ziggy, as I was watching through this time as well, he even better than Billy back in Mighty Morphin has the that quasi trope of like the ranger who's not a good fighter but you see that evolution of being a great like becoming a good fighter throughout his time but it's not the gap that you got from like unmorphed billy to morphed mm-hmm. billy especially right. in that first episode where he's the green ranger like he's just dodging i don't think he threw a single on purpose kick or punch he's just like hiding behind stuff like hide me hide me <laughs> Yeah, I could use my comically oversized axe, but... Ah, that axe was dope. (laughs) (laughs) Well, although it's nothing compared to Flint's comically oversized turbo cannon! He's so intense when he's a ranger, I'm just saying. (laughs) I like his enthusiasm. I like how Ziggy really grows into being a ranger. He's one of the... he He definitely feels that role of... I think it was you, Nathan, that just said that that he doesn't necessarily know or no, it was Chris. I'm sorry. It was similar to Billy where Billy really kind of had to grow into being a ranger. And so does it. And so does Ziggy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's definitely the comic relief, but right. it doesn't feel intrusive. Mm-hmm. I was, go- I was going to say Ziggy and it's, uh, you can call it punching down or making fun. I don't care. Ziggy is what I think of. If I think, Hey, if we wanted to make Dax, a likable character (laughs) you would have gotten to Ziggy. Ziggy has similar Dax energy but unlike Dax Ziggy doesn't make you want to punch him in the face. Like you actually like him. You actually laugh with him and empathize with him. Mm -hmm. 
Man, and I think this it's part so damn good. <laughs> yeah, I think it's largely because his humor is coming from a place of coping, which oh, is yeah. which is uh, I, I'm going to throw this out here. I was talking with Michael about this. I think w- the reason why most of the humor in this show still works, even when contrasted with how bleak it can and, and dark it can be at points. And I know for a lot of you, this is going to be a weird comparison. Some of you will also probably be a little bit confused because you're too young. I only know this because my parents, my dad in particular, loves this show, MASH. Yeah, you and I were talking about this. Because, yeah, yeah, especially in the movie, and the, the show eventually evolved into something else. But if you look at the early days of the show and the movie it's based on, it is laugh out loud, honestly, at points kind of absurdly hu- funny, but the reason for that is because this is focused on military doctors during the Korean War, and they mm. do outrageous and funny things to help them cope with the atrocities that they're witnessing every day. Yeah. Yep. And I feel like that's where a lot of the humor in this is coming from. It's mm-hmm. almost like these characters have to do, especially Ziggy, they have to do this because of how dire a situation that they're in. Yeah. Yep. And it's also good for the audience as well, because <laughs> you can only take so much after a while. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing that I, I'm, I'm sure Disney Brain pointed out. I know Linkara and his history, history of Power Rangers brought up like, at times you need that levity and the levity isn't out of place because like you pointed out, Nathan, like it's all like, we've all been there. We've all been in tense situations where you make a joke to break the tension. And sometimes it's a dark mm-hmm. joke. Sometimes yeah, mm-hmm. it's just light and silly, but it that, the humor in RPM reflects that and it works just mm-hmm. And I, I also th- stop talking about how dope this show is. <laughs> I know, I know. And I think the other reason I think the other reason why the humor works is because it's coming from the characters. Yeah. It feels very genuine because it's very character driven. Cuz if they were throwing in jokes that just felt very artificial like the writers are just putting them in there just to have jokes, it wouldn't ring true and we'd see right through it. Yeah. But because it's coming from the characters, it works. Well, like Dr. K saying to Ziggy as he's like super optimistic, like we're the good guys. We'll always win. And then it's just like, tell me, is it as wonderful as it seems being so stupid? (laughs) Yes. You know, that's not mean spirited, but it's so bloody funny. Well, what makes that work so well is because he takes a liking to her, which kind of makes sense. These two really awkward people fall for each other. And you know, so th- the fact that they're both really awkward is what's kind of keeping them apart. And he's insecure because he wants her approval. But oh, she's yeah, oh, she's like, sure. I don't like you. I never wanted you to be the Green Ranger, but I have to be more emotionally available for my team. So I'm at least going to pretend that I care. <laughs> <laughs> at least at first. Later, she does care. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She makes him her password. <laughs> <laughs> In one of the most misleading titles for a clip show I've ever seen. Yeah. I really had, I had completely different expectations when I saw that title on my DVD menu and that I was mad that it wasn't what I thought. When I saw the title before I revisited the episode, I was like, 
I don't remember this one. And then when I got into the episode, I'm like, am I on the right episode? Yeah. Yeah. Although that doesn't compare to another episode in this that might have won an award. I'm just saying. Anyway, let's move on to talk about the brooding bad boy. <laughs> I, I I wanted, I just added, just because I promised I would keep us honest and Chris, honor your time. We are at the hour and a half mark. Yep, that's true. <laughs> All right, let's go, guys. Let's go. All right. Okay. Get in gear. Right. Yeah, get in gear. Anyway. All right, so our Black Ranger, Dylan, who has no last name. We don't even know what his real name is, which I actually kind of like. Now, there's a reason yeah, why like that, yeah. we don't know because of how Gazellium was going to do it, which we'll talk about that probably right here when we do when we talk about him. <laughs> but uh, I, mean, I actually I mean, I like this that we a good place. This is a good place. Yeah, as I, I, I like that we don't find out what his real name is. But he's basically Mad Max. I mean, if, if this was a movie, he would be played by a young Mel Gibson. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I mean, they at one point turned Corinth into a literal Thunderdome. Outside, yep. <laughs> numerous places look like Fury Road. Uh huh. He's got the rip roaring muscle car that could be a boss car uh, from Fast and the Furious. The leather jacket. Yeah, no, this well, is uh, Mad actually Max. all of the Rangers in this have their own vehicles that are not Zors. They're just like this is just what I drive around personally. And he has his you know his souped up muscle car looks kind of like a Charger. Looks very much like Mad Max's car. And I was I want to throw this out there because you and I were talking about this the other night, Nathan. Where to, in typical Power Rangers fashion. Uh, well, in a typical Power Rangers season, let me rephrase. In a typical Power Rangers season, the vehicles they drive would be very branded to the show. This just feels like a mismatch of whatever they came into Corinth mm-hmm. with or yeah. whatever they found on the side of the road. Yeah, I'm probably misidentifying these cars, but you know, Scott has something that looks kind of like a Dodge Charger or a Viper. Summer has a motorcycle. Ziggy has a scooter. <laughs> and then very Flynn has something that... Ziggy. Huh? Very on brand for Ziggy. Yes, <laughs> it is. And then Flynn has possibly something that was made in my home state because he has a Hummer. There's a Hummer plant <laughs> in Mishawaka, which is a hop, skip, and a jump from my grandparents. So every time my, uh, my family went to go visit them, we drove by that Hummer factory all the time. So, <laughs> so it may have you may have gotten it from my home state. So you know. Something Hoosier built survived the apocalypse. I'm just saying. Anyway, so Dylan, what's a Power Ranger? He has no idea. He's kind of the audience <laughs> surrogate a little bit at the beginning. A little and bit, And then yeah. they have those jokes where, like, he gets tied up in prison, and he's just like, they're like, we'll let you out of prison, you know, with Summer standing up to Dylan this time. And he's like, sure, yeah, I'll join you on one condition. I get to pick my color (laughs) (laughs) while he's tied up with like 10 guards around him (laughs) after he like world-class wrecking crews, all the prisoners. Yeah. Which right before Scott's like, there's nothing impressive about this guy. And then they watch him T 1000, everybody. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and that's, that's basically (laughs) what we find out later. We find out he's a Terminator. Yeah. He's a hybrid. And I'm thinking to myself, this was around the same time as Terminator Salvation because there's some similarities. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's some similarities here. 
with that, with the whole thing where he, you know, they had a guy who didn't know he was a Terminator, but he was a Terminator and he gets sent to infiltrate the resistance, but he doesn't know he's infiltrating the resistance. We do the same thing here because we find out that he has a little bit of a ticking time bomb because he's been infected with the Vengex virus and it's slowly taking him over and the best they can do is slow it down. I mean, cause I was, and this is, I'm not trying to sound really insensitive, but he, he has some sort of the equivalent to robot cancer. Yeah. If that's what it kind of reminded me of, if, if like mm-hmm. as some, as someone who has like a, a very slow growing or maybe even aggressive cancer. That's actually a good analogy. Yeah. And then the other thing we find out, then this becomes one of the strongest character plot lines throughout the whole season is he keeps having these really dark flashback dreams where he, cause he doesn't have, he doesn't know who he is. He has no memory. Yeah. And that's a big mystery that they play with for the entire season. And he keeps having these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. And then because the show, again, gives no Fs, it decides to be harsh where he's like, I think I know where we can go so I can figure out part of my memory. And then they go there and they find nothing. <laughs> or one of the monsters of the week says, I have your memories. And then he's like, well, in order to save Corinth, I have to blow you up before I can find that out so we so it's just setback after setback after setback there's even a point where they said the memories that brought that you think brought you here were all fake i mean the show is just mean (laughs) i love this show (laughs) i do too and it's just the show is harsh but the other thing we that he figures out he's like i have a sister i have to find my sister and then that becomes a big thing huh Q, q astronomer yeah, well, we are not there yet. <laughs> and it wasn't supposed to be that. So as much as I love Dylan, and Dylan was one of the most intriguing characters on here, the guy who plays him, Daniel Ewing, an incredible performance here. It could have been easy to just fall into tropes, fall into cliche with this guy. Yeah. But they don't go there. You know, and he's also one of those ones where he just walks into Ranger Central and he just like starts questioning everything. He was just like yep. spandex, really? It's not spandex. <laughs> <laughs> his his dynamic with Doctor K, I actually love. Like mm-hmm. it's it, he pushes back on her in so many different ways where it's it's good. I like yeah. Yeah, he's awesome. the broody. <laughs> he, I mean, he's the broody bad boy. I mean, he he's he yes. feels if if he had to fill a trope, he fills the Mad Max broody bad boy trope to a T. And his story, his story really becomes more interesting to me when we finally meet one of our villains. Is that's when the story, that's when Dylan's story to me at least becomes more interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I definitely agree with you, and I know like where the story that we're loosely hinting at. And I know we'll get to in a moment, like where it's speculated it was going to go. It was still going to include a number of the things that Judd Lynn just decided, Hey, we're going to stick with this where it was a revisit. But in terms of a revisit with a lot of straight story beats, I still enjoyed it thoroughly because nobody was saved by tears on them this time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The tears of power. (laughs) The tears of power. No, nobody cried. And then the tears. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Hang on. I got one more. I got one more. The Tirona Aurora. (laughs) 
<laughs> Michael, I have never hated you as much as I do in this moment. Legolas didn't cry. Stop poking <laughs> rant master. <laughs> oh. Uh, anyway yeah anyway sorry but anyway so dylan ends up being this absolutely fantastic character with the right attitude he pushes back on a lot of these characters he's a bit of a wild card he's the outsider he's the he's the the mystery man you know the man with no name almost i mean he just kind of picks dylan as a name yeah he's the avatar in some ways for our audience yeah and in a lot of ways i feel like dylan best embodies the overall attitude of this show am i wrong for saying that no no No, i think you're right i think that's accurate yeah yeah because dylan gives zero f's and so does this show yes i I was gonna say dylan you could say is a like this show in a nutshell when people think power rangers as much as we'll even joke like it's a bunch of unnecessary backflips and arm making whooshing noises when you show people rpm you're seeing Dylan's like fever trauma nightmare dreams. And you're just like, go, go power Rangers. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what to make of this. It's so, what's going on. And that's like, Dylan sums up RPM so well like that. Yeah. And also like when one of Eddie Gazellian's things, when he said to the said to Disney, like in his pitch for before he saw the googly eyes, was like, look, we've got the market on girls. We can do more with getting a boy audience. And then when you keep that in mind and you look at Dylan, Dylan being the bad boy, but the audience surrogate, who you, he's the insert character because he doesn't have this set past, but then he can be the superhero that young boys want to be. And he looks cool. And then the girls are into him. <laughs> like, Yeah, well, and you know, Summer's into him. But it doesn't, I don't, normally I kind of bristle a little bit at the good girl liking the bad boy, but I didn't this time Mm -hmm. because I don't, I didn't feel like I had any reason to think that Dylan was going to hurt her unless Venchix took over. But (laughs) they also didn't manufacture any drama between them. And you saw from summer, like it was like a slow rollout. It wasn't like Kim having googly eyes at Tommy. Like she was empathetic with Dylan to start with, but then their, their right. budding romance was a very slow one. And you can yeah. sum right. it up as like, why are you always trying to save me? And it's like, because you're worth saving like, yeah. damn right. dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I will bring this up here. There were two rumored. There's never been some hard confirmation of this. There were two plot twists with Dylan that we didn't quite get. We got shades of of it in what we actually did get with Judd Lynn. But one of them, I'll just talk about one of them because one of them is more pertinent to another character we're going to have to park on for a while. Originally, you'll notice that each of the Rangers got a focus episode with their code name. You know, Ranger Yellow, Ranger Red, Ranger Blue. He didn't have one. But apparently Gazellian originally intended the finale of the show to be called Ranger Black. Dylan was going to be the final boss. Could have been dope. Vengex was going to invade. This is the, the what details we've been able to piece together. Vengex was going to invade. The Rangers were going to defeat him, but then Vengex was going to activate him fully. Yeah. So the rest of the team would have had to fight 
Dylan, who had full access to all of the Ranger tech. And I'm thinking, good grief. <laughs> you want to talk about, it's like you knew you at one point were going to be even more intense and dark. Goodness gracious. Like, hey, that insert character that you're all falling in love with. We're going to make him get killed. <laughs> like, and also everything you knew about him was a lie. Because we were yeah. going to find out that all of his memories were and lies. The, the stuff yeah. with Tanaya was a misdirect and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, which we'll get to Tanaya in a few minutes. But I'm just like, good Lord. I, I'm, but I, I see that. And I, I still love what we have in RPM. I really yeah. do. But I also kind of sit there and I do play. When I heard that after finishing the show, I started playing a little bit of what if. And I'm like, would I have still liked it if they did that? Would that have been too much? I, I wonder about that. Yeah. I'll I'll say on the record, and Michael, I'm so sorry I cut you off. So before I continue, please go. No, go ahead, sir. <laughs> I'll say I would have been on board with that because it would have been on brand with the show. Like seeing all the other stuff that they established thematically that can happen, I'd be like, it makes sense that they can go for this. And if a Power Rangers show was going to have a main character become a bad guy and die, it would be within it would be an RPM. I would have been there for it, but we got a happy ending that I am quite satisfied with. Like most of the time, Power Rangers wraps up in a happy ending and they can be hit or miss this ending, this happy ending for all the characters I was down for and Dylan you could expect to die, but I'm like, nah, I'm yeah, glad yeah, got a I, happy ending. I, <laughs> yeah, I will say this is as good a spot as any to talk about it. I actually really loved the framing of the show, how it started with Dylan in the desert, this wasteland, and he finds right. a lone flower that is barely clinging to life. And then when we get the last one of the last scenes of the show is he finds that flower again. He pours a little bit of water on it and then they find out, Oh wait, there are more. And then they go over this dune and they find out that, and this, because it's very symbolic. Ven- Vengex has been defeated. They go well, over it, this hill and then there's this valley full of new life. Well, it's also symbolic of the fact that before there was just this one source of life, Corinth in the desert tucked away like in the midst of this war and now that the war is over there is the potential for new life and new communities and new civilizations to to take root in the in the region as well around the world so that's how i took it it's symbolic for a lot of reasons but that's how i read it it's you know when we first see corn they're the last civilization standing similar to that little flower but at, by the end of it, there's the potential for new civilizations to be built mm-hmm. from the ruins of what had happened before. Right, right. Okay. Spent a lot of time there. So now let's talk about our sixth and seventh Rangers. You have, we have to talk about them as a pair. Well, Gem and Gemma, the twins, played by Mike Ginn and... Li Ming Hu. I hope I said those. I hope I said that right. Li Ming what? Li Ming Hu. Who who? What? Oh, sorry. That joke. Oh, that right. joke doesn't really translate. I'm uh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, what's unique about these two 
And this is something I was telling you earlier in in our journey, Michael, which is why haven't they ever done a female sixth ranger? Not realizing that there is one. She's the only one so far, <laughs> but there is one, Gemma. <laughs> I'm like, why don't you do this more often, guys? But anyway, they are Dr. K's best friends from her time working for Scary Scary Alphabet Soup. <laughs> <laughs> and they are fascinating characters. Again, they shouldn't have worked, but they do. Well, they're also the stand-ins for our young, our, the younger parts of our audience. Yeah, if Dylan is the stand-in for the older audience, these two are the younger audience. Because okay. what's interesting about them is they act like children. They are grown adults, but because they were so isolated. I joke that, you know, them and Dr. K are basically all of the homeschooling stereotypes. And I can say that as a homeschooler, <laughs> I'm like, you are the homeschoolers that give us all a bad name. I'm just now saying, we're guys. Gonna, now we're going to get letters, Nathan, come on. <laughs> but yeah. And like I said, they shouldn't have worked. I think what's interesting is the characters put up with their childish shenanigans because when they first join the team, they're immensely powerful, but they're mildly obsessed with blowing things up. <laughs> they're incredibly impulsive. The characters put up with them for a while. And then yeah. I think at just the right point where I think the audience has kind of had their fill of their shtick, the characters are like, we've had enough of you. You need to stop this. <laughs> And then they tell them what for, and then they start to grow. They stop acting so impulsively. They still like blowing things up because it's fun. Well, yeah. So do kids. So do children. Yeah. So do children, children like blowing things up. Yeah. But they I mean, so do they mellow out. <laughs> what? Well, so do yeah. You're right. So do adults. I mean, we just had well, yeah. the fourth. We just had the Fourth of July a little over a month ago. Yes, we all like we like blowing things up. Yeah. Yep. But so I find their development kind of fascinating because, mm -hmm. again, it could have been too much. And in lesser hands, I think it would have been too much, but it ends up not being too much. Well, to pick I mean, up. Okay, so to, be, sorry. to be fair, to be fair, this was something that kind of ruined it for. Well, not not ruined it for me, but kind of took me out of it was the constant finishing each fears. other's sentences. Yeah. The same. Thank you. Somebody realized what I was doing. Thank you, Chris. That was, me. but whatever <laughs> it was, I'm going to give, I'm going to give us. Chris, I'm going to give Chris credit regardless. Anyway, cause he's the guest and I can do that. I just made the gem face from like that beginning of the episode where he's about to make something go boom. <laughs> like, oh? is it boom time? <laughs> I mean, it, the, 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 the shtick, the shtick kind of got old after a few episodes, but I'm glad that they dropped it after a while. But I think that was the whole point is they're very childish, but I, I think as they went on, they became more childlike. They're naive, but they also have this, refreshing childlike faith that they you know that they can accomplish anything i it, when it, it and it's really surprising because we do find out that they've basically been waging a two ranger war in the in the wasteland against vengex they were enslaved in one of vengex's factories for a while and yet here they are 
still child, you know, you're still having this childlike enthusiasm. By the mm. way, I should mention there are gold and silver ranger. Forgot to mention that. Yeah. With Gem and Gemma, I definitely to pick on Dax again. I mean, we're taking pot shots at I mean Operation Overdrive was two episodes ago. We're taking Yeah, I was gonna say apparently just, Operation Overdrive is gonna be our favorite whipping boy until Megaforce. It's well, but, it's just too easy. It's well also it's because like you could I I made the joke earlier that Ziggy is what Dax would be if he was good. Gem and Gemma are along those lines, just not as it, like it's not as universally likable as Ziggy, but they like their characters actually have a reason to be reacting that way. Like they're raised in isolation with each other. So like Dr. K not having any social grace whatsoever to them, just finishing each other's sentences makes sense. It's annoying for everybody else, but I think it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then them doing the two man war off in the wilderness, they don't got to think about collateral damage. They don't got to think about how it'll affect other people. So they're like, even though the mannerisms were annoying, unlike Dax, I don't think it was like it was deliberate. Like it was their extroverted, their childlike in their zeal and enthusiasm. But then you can actually track and see them grow like Dr. K, who uh, like only she wasn't raised in isolation with somebody else. She was in isolation by herself. So it's uh, all of them serve a purpose. And then as annoying as it can be, even though I made that joke of that face that sorry, the uh, Mike Jin made like that's the other thing. As much as I'll want to be not want, but be like i should be annoyed by this like the constant finishing of their the sentences the two performers like everybody else in this cast put so much into it where i'm like they're having fun and it's making this much more bearable than it should yeah oh yeah 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 the the actors really do sell it Yeah. yeah they really do and and i know they succeeded because it felt like a crime against humanity Seriously? when Vengex kills them yep, in the nope. finale. We'll I was like, there. holy frick show. You went there. Yep. You went there. And then they had this. It was self-sacrificial to help the Rangers, but it doesn't quite work. And then their final words are basically, don't give up, keep fighting. And then they die. I'm like, Vengex, you bastard. You murdered children. (laughs) And then the reaction from the other three, like the main three, just like, oh my gosh, it doesn't sell that moment. Yeah. (sighs) Which is why it was a little bit, grading that they didn't let it stick i'm like come on why is it that every time you decide to make the bold move of killing a character you walk it back i get why you did it in lost galaxy it was more as a tribute to the actress because she beat leukemia i get it and then because it's our favorite whipping boy right now. They pull it in Operation Overdrive, but he's a real boy now. Shut up. Anyway, <laughs> I is that was the worst one out of all of them. But I just like, come on. If there was ever a show that could do this and get away with it, it would be this one. Yeah. So if 
I almost think like keeping them dead as much as I like, I, I'm not going to lie. I was happy when I saw them come back, but also I did want them to stay dead because that moment, holy crap. It might have been that this show clearly kills people, but cl- killing a, a borderline main character might be too. It might be that step where Disney is like, no, we can't we, like we can't go that far. Yeah. If Dylan had become Vengex, though, like and they had to go that route, then I could definitely see Gem and Gemma dying in the line of fire with that route and staying dead. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those what ifs. But man, like what a friggin' moment. And it's a testament to the performers because even though they've got the annoying characters with extra, uh, what's the extrovert times a thousand and boom time and all that, (laughs) you care so much when they're suddenly dying. Because it's God. so it's so it's so sad. Like the yeah. the eye the the look in Jim's eyes as they're dying. Oh my that's, gosh. That's the look that that's the look of I know it's over and it's okay. Well, and right. then even Summers and, and Flynn's reactions like are so real and heartbreaking, just oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, so kudos to both Gin. I don't know if it's if it's Gin or Jin, G-I-N-N. And Ming Hu. Well, if it's Jin on Qui-Gon, then it should it should be good. It should yeah. be good for Mike. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying. Again, you took a couple of characters that could have been too much, mm. and you made it work. Somehow, the show has three Daxes that work to overdrives one that didn't. <laughs> Anyways, and I think yeah. that's a that's a good transition into our next character, Doctor yep. K. Yeah, we're gonna be we're gonna have to park on Doctor K for a while. We've talked a well, lot about well, her I, already, but good grief! Do we want to go ahead and just because we typically just okay? It would be a good transition, but can we just go ahead and get Colonel Mason True out of the way? <laughs> <laughs> Played by James Galen. I liked him as a character, but he does exist primarily as a foil. Yes. Which I but I think it's a he's a good foil because mm-hmm. he's the guy who says and he this is text. He says this is like we're going to outlast Vengex. We're going to hold up and eventually he'll just go away. Yeah. He's a lot more passive whereas Dr. K and the Rangers are like no, we're going to be proactive. Well, I mean, kind of because I mean he did have one of the more badass lines in the beginning. Seriously. When he's like, "Hey son, just go shoot something." Yeah, yeah, let me look yeah. I'm going to look that up. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, something. he uh the so- they, uh, the random soldier says, "What should I do?" and he says, "Go shoot at something." I'm just like, "Oh my gosh, you want to talk about setting a tone?" Seriously, yeah. Yeah. Like sure. go shoot at something. I just <laughs> Uh, oh, and also, uh, also, he says, "Heaven help them," because we can't. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> Truman is like one of those general characters that you kind of get, but where he could be more tropey. Now, sure, there he could be more. Uh, m- there could have been more to the character to him than being less of a foil. But he still got a number of good moments the actor brought. Like, quite honestly, there's so many times in this show where I'm like, I should not be 
looking at Power Rangers and most of the time be actually taken aback by someone's acting performance. Like you don't think mm-hmm. of Power Rangers for this, but our I mean, we come here for the big, we come here for the monsters and the big robots. Come on, people. That's what exactly. we come here for. And, and the explosions the- that will occasionally take out the bad guys behind the Ranger. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then even I'm thinking of even moments where he's like talking to talking to Dr. K after it's revealed after he finds out that she released Vengex and then yeah. he's got the gun on her in his office. He's like, I've already lost more than most. I'm like, this is a child show. This guy, not like in this situation, you go really big most of the time. And he was doing like a subtle drama performance or even though I'll make fun of him for being a d- to Scott. Cause he is often that right. watered down as the show went. And he was an always welcome, uh, like welcome addition on the screen. Right. Just like, all right, right. Yeah, I'm here for you, man. In some ways he felt like, and I know this is a, probably a terrible comparison to make, but I feel like he was in some ways a forerunner to Pentecost in Pacific Rim, but not mm, a little bit, but yeah. a much Ooh. more passive yeah. version of him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can, I, I, I'm, I, I smell what the rock is cooking. Okay. Yeah. 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 But I, no the thing is, this, we, to, we've been no offense to Galen, but if they do make an RPM movie, I mean, cast an Elba in that role would be dope. Just saying would be. Uh, it, it would be, it would be. <laughs> and I, I, I know we've been making fun of him for being such a jerk, but I think he's a jerk by design because they needed that foil. Yeah. They needed oh, to have yeah. it. And it makes sense that he would be the guy who says we're going to hole up and outlast him. Because he has lost a lot. He had a son die in action trying to defend this city. And yeah. well, God only knows what else he saw when Vengex was running amok. And that's the thing. As much as he was a d- to Scott, like, and we can, th- and we can just look at that as like, man, you're being uh, you're, you're like, you're being a bad dad here. You're being Odin. Like when you actually pause to think about it, it's like he might have always favored Marcus, but I don't think he was being a d- to Scott from a place of meanness, it was, I've lost a son. I don't want to lose the other one. And I can't be in any way emotional, vulnerable with anybody right now. So I'm just going to be hard. I'm just going to be harsh. He's an, it's understandable that he is the way he is. And by the time we get to the end of the show, they convince him to be more proactive and then all bets are off. <laughs> So speaking of someone who's literally lost her entire childhood, Dr. K. Played by Olivia Tennant. I found out that Miss Tennant is a very accomplished actress. Oh, yeah, she, she is. She And she was only 17 when she was in this show. Really? She seems older. She does. But she has done a lot of work on stage and in television. She's got a, she's done a lot of work. And honestly, if I was going to give like an Emmy for best performance in this show, I think it goes to her. I mean, I could get on board with that. I mean, her story is I I feel like her story is the most tragic one because it is. And by the way, all of the scenes where Dr. K is playing violin, that's actually her. Oh, I knew that part. I knew she she was. She can actually play violin. I knew she was an actual she was an actual musician. Yeah. Mm hmm. She's very, I mean, she's multi-talented. And it's those, it's man, that's those scenes where she's playing the violin and she's crying and it's just, <sighs> yeah. And that is, 
that's a bit of a literary reference because Sherlock Holmes would play violin to help himself think. Mm -hmm. And in this case, she's using it to do not only to think, but also it points to protect herself because apparently her security, the security system in her lab responds to playing the violin, which is kind of amazing when that happened. I was like, you're getting artsy here, Power Rangers. Why are you being artsy? (laughs) 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 But she is the mentor this for this season she's also the techie she invented everything and one of the things that she is was bro- a dude right uh, <laughs> what <laughs> well, well yeah because apparently she just saw death note and loved l <laughs> so <laughs> i was thinking about that i was like she's dr k and then we have l who does the the same shtick with the talking to the computer, talking to you through a computer with a modulated voice and the big letter. And I'm like, yeah, somebody just saw Death Note. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so, crazy, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then at first we just think, okay, she's the eccentric inventor who, you know, has just been holed up, doesn't have any social graces. She's emotionally cut off. And then you know what? We could just go with that, but then we find out why. And it is you already hinted at it. Her her flashback focus episode. I knew it was coming. I already knew some of the spoilers. I knew it was gonna be a dark episode, but I was still not entirely prepared for it. Bruh. Yeah. Bruh. I actually just rewatched it before we started recording. And it might be my favorite episode of the show. And there's a number of episodes from the whole show where I'm like, you've heard me say it like 50 times since we started recording how awesome the show is. But the episode... Chris, tell us K, how awesome the show is, if you don't mind. <laughs> it is friggin' awesome. <laughs> I will never yeah. get bored saying it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I'm just like, when you... Yeah. Then what's, what's crazy... Bored, son. <laughs> yeah, to make more literary comparisons, we find out that Dr. K was basically Ender Wiggin from Ender's Game. A child prodigy that the government just scoops up. And it's some weird clandestine... Very mysterious government. We don't even know what the heck they are. They just show up in this episode. They were hinted at before. They show up in this episode. They take over. They're called alphabet soup. They never see the faces, which was a we nice never touch. see their faces. They it's this. It's a man and a woman, and they talk to everybody like they're adults talking to children. Oh, you? Why don't you do this for us? Calculate this crazy formula for. Can I go outside? It's my birthday. No, no, no. You're you're sick. You're allergic to sunlight. Here, do this for us. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, you are so creepy and condescending, and I hate you. I forgot why, the just, part in the episode where at the end they like had the gun on her and they were going to kill her so the secret wouldn't get out i forgot about that and i was like damn this show man (laughs) (laughs) yeah and then we find out and you want to talk about dark yeah we find out that it was dr k who made vengex it's her fault the world ended because she she wanted to go outside she just wanted to see the sun. <laughs> that was it. She wanted to get away. 
and she's like she's got tears and she's like let me stop dragging me let me put up a firewall like she knows right away how bad this is gonna be and uh so bloody good yeah and (laughs) and then she she has to it's one of those moments where she really opens up to the rangers and because they're like why don't you actually call us by our names his name is ziggy call him ziggy my name is Dylan, you know, because she doesn't want to get attached. To, she doesn't want to get attached to people. Yeah, that's and she said. The, there's a reason I don't. There are reasons for, I do everything. The two people she had been attached to, as far as she knew, were dead. Yeah. And she was taken away from everything that she knew and then hidden away and exploited mm-hmm. for her genius. It's kind of funny. She was forced to grow up very quickly, but also was stunted in her growth. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why she, I mean, I know I joked about it. You know, that's why she, you know, I joked about her being a homeschooler stereotype because that's kind of what she is. She's brilliant, but she has, she has no social skills whatsoever. She doesn't know how to interact with human beings. Yep. And then what's kind of genius. And we've talked about, we're going to talk about here in a few minutes, but we've joked about how, you know, and, and the Rangers do too. It's like, why do our Zords have googly eyes? And one of the biggest strokes of genius, and they don't come out and say this, I think the fact that Dr. K is this hyper-intelligent woman who didn't quite mature past childhood, she would invent Zords that are immensely powerful and highly advanced and have googly eyes because Because she's still got enough of a child inside of her. Well, because she she had her childhood stolen from her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then she doesn't just open up and say, yeah, it's my fault. Vengex exists. The Rangers are nice to her, which makes sense because they've been working is some of them been working with her for a year already, right. which was one of the, one of the most unexpected things in the first episode that a time jumps ahead a year. That's crazy. But then after a few episodes, she has to deal with the consequences of what she did. She doesn't just get to walk away and not deal with it. Because Colonel Truman finds out, tries to arrest her. And then also Dylan has a dope line that almost won one, uh, almost got an award for me where he was like, I spilt my OJ this morning. That was a mistake. She ended the world. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, damn. (laughs) Yeah. Again, this show says no Fs are given. Yep. It's like looking in its pockets, like, let me check to see if I have any Fs. Oh, I, I'm all fresh out. <laughs> I had to pause for a few minutes after I finished her flashback episode. I'm just like, I need to center myself. It's not often that I have to do that. And I'm like, this is happening to me while watching Power Rangers. There have been points where this show genuinely surprised me. I don't get surprised by Power Rangers very often. This show has the lion's share of the times that I have been surprised by this franchise so far. And Dr. K is a big part of it. Yep. She is probably my favorite mentor figure, especially when we started getting away from the Zordon kind of mentor, not just being a big head in the thing, but you get what I mean, where it was like, hey, the mentors are actually starting to be actively involved in the Rangers. I mean, it's it's really tough. Like, it's really tough for me. To, I really enjoy Doctor K, but it's really tough for me to say she's my favorite. That's fair. It's. 
I think the that her having such weight and gravitas in her backstory helps. I think in terms of just pure screen delivery, as silly as this sounds, Kruger is probably my favorite mentor so far. I love Kruger so much. I was going to say Kruger, in a way, Kay reminds me of Kruger, just in... I, I feel like she is uh, the serious take on Doggy Kruger just because, I mean, it's in the name Doggy, right? Like that's where <laughs> that's why the comics call him Anubis. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, and I'm not trying to knock Kruger because Kruger is a gangster character, but this is taking some of those Kruger aesthetics and then removing like the dog aspect of it. Right. And he could get more hands on than Dr. K, but I don't know, man, just that, especially that episode. Like, I, I don't know if I would necessarily, and it's not knocking Kruger. I just don't know if I would buy a doggy Kruger episode like Dr. K. Like, that they, exact they, same, they but... tried really hard. They, they tried yeah. really hard with Kruger, but there was just something about it that did that, that didn't quite like put it over the hump for me with yeah. Dr. K. However, I mean, not necessarily me personally, but I'm sure there's a lot of people that can identify with having their childhood stolen from them that can fe- that that feel incredibly alone or out of place or are just honestly, Dr. K is just different and she's awkward and she's social. She's just socially awkward and she doesn't seem to fit in with the rest of our Rangers, but she's incredibly vital to what's going on. Oh, yeah. Right. Without her, nothing. These rangers wouldn't have their gear. They wouldn't have anything. But on the antithesis of that, without her, but if it if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be in this situation. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so a lot of her story is penance for what she did. Right. She yeah. started the ranger program because she had to fix her mistake. Yeah. Well, that was even summed up when um, Colonel Truman's like, can you help them? And she's just like, that's all I can do. I'm just like, yeah. damn, man, this show is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm going to use this as a way to transition to our next section. One of her most BA moments is in the finale when she yep. basically tells our bad guy, you're nothing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that was dope. You're nothing. And I don't know if any of you have the line that she had, uh, any of that speech as your awards. If you don't, I'm going to mention it right now. Does anyone have those lines as their awards? No, it's not. No, I do. Okay. Where I'm going to go here and reference it. And this goes back to something that you and I were talking about. Michael I was telling you this after we, yeah, after the we, green watched with, the we were having the, the green with evil discussion we had yeah, on the monster island film vault talking about how evil is nothing. Mm. It is the absence of good, which means it is literally nothing. And she tells off Vengex and basically says, like, just tells him exactly what he is. It's like your code going through circuitry, basically. And then she punctuates it by saying, I've learned that even the most flawed human is still better than the most perfect machine. Yeah. I'm but like, you know, man. blinded Vengex skiers. and he deserved it man and i'm like that was so earned it was so earned i'm like she's like i can't fight you but good grief am i gonna tell you off (laughs) you are nothing (laughs) so speaking of vengex i am vengex the one immortal me yeah let's talk about him our villain this season 
voiced by Andrew Lang. And this guy's got a long history with Power Rangers. He's play, He was one of the masters in Jungle Fury. He's voiced a lot of different characters. Most recently, he is the new voice of Lord Zed because Robert Axelrod is no longer with us. So he has inherited the mantle. So Vengex! Vengex is arguably the most successful Power Ranger villain ever. Well, I mean, in true in true virus fashion, he he just operates under the assumption of a brute force attack until he gets in. Basically. And the show just starts off by saying he killed billions. There's one city left. <laughs> so he takes over the world. He succeeds. He succeeds where every other villain failed. No, no, no other Power Ranger villain actually succeeded at taking over the world, of course. Well, yeah, at the start of the show, he's already won. Like... Yeah. yeah, but Corinth is just being that one thorn in his side. He's like, I've already won, but I have to have a complete victory. There's that one city. <laughs> and he won't stop. I will tell you, more than I feel like any other villain in this franchise that we've seen so far, Vengex is the most relentless. He is because he's he a never gives these Rangers a moment to breathe. And I, as the audience, I'm like, I feel haggard watching this because you just won't stop because he's a machine. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't possess the concept of, he doesn't really possess, he, he, he can strategize. Yes. But he doesn't possess the, the, the thought process that we do where it's like, oh, maybe I need to second guess my approach. He just keeps repeating the binary over and over and over and over until eventually he gets what he wants. Right, right. Yep. And it's, it could be very easy to just write him off as just another you know, evil AI, if you want to call him that. It'd be, it's, I think it's reductionist to just say Vengex is Skynet. Or, Chris, you'll appreciate this, you know, to use a DC Comics comparison, to call him Brother Eye. All right, yeah, no, basically, yeah, like, yeah, Brother Eye. I really don't know m what's going on much in DC recent history. Brother Eye, I am loosely familiar with, but that's about it. It's a big AI that I, I think Batman made him. <laughs> Because Batman oh, makes everything. Oh, that sounds everything. about right. Yeah. Well, yeah, Batman makes everything. The other thing you could be is you could compare it to is like the Bond trope from a Spectre where it's like, hey, everything, everybody's going to have oversight into everything and ooh, spooky. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. So admittedly, <laughs> in terms of personality, Vengex is not necessarily the most dynamic of characters because he does still behave much like a machine. But that's the point. Mm. It's just like, yeah. like his the download son. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, I kind of liked that because I'm just like, really? Right? Can I have the grow gigantic patch too? I'm just saying. I... That's what she said. Yeah. I, <laughs> I guess, I guess, the, I guess the grow gigantic, I guess the grow gigantic patch is better than the grow gigantic pill. Yeah. Uh, Sure, but but then what's interesting is I do feel like Wait, as is Blue Chew sponsoring this podcast as well. How many podcasts is Blue Chew sponsoring? Anyway, I do think what's interesting is Vengex. I do think starts behaving more like a human being because I think as time goes on, he just starts getting very frustrated, and he starts becoming a bit like Ultron. <laughs> <laughs> where he's just like, why is nothing working? And I am annoyed this, that things are not working. 
And then, he, and then he has his, there are no strings on me moment. <laughs> yeah. Cause yep. he decides to build himself a robot body. In fact, he builds himself two of them. Admittedly, the second one is arguably scarier. Although it's mm-hmm. also weirder. Cause he has a beard. Listen, wait, there's wait, nothing weird we, about that. Yeah, there's it's something dope. weird about beards. That's 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 racist. Uh, uh, no, I just mean like, why does a robot want a beard? That's more just you know, why does a because, robot because of how I mean, awesome it looks. Because of, yeah, like it's, it's sure, how awesome it looks. I, I actually kind of preferred his first body, but his first body also looks oh. less like main villain tell, and more tell like. Us about, tell general. us more about why you liked Vengeance's body, Nathan. Oh, it's so sexy. I mean, look at that. <laughs> Guys, I think I'm disconnecting. <laughs> that'll, most of that, that'll, that'll probably get cut out. Uh, probably. Uh, but, uh, but he starts changing up how he does things. He starts even acting a little impulsively. Like in, like in Heroes Among Us, he's, he's like, oh, only 80%? I don't care. <laughs> and... Remember, Michael, when I said with Jungle Fury, one of the things that I was a little worried about is when Daishi picks a fight with the Rangers, he wins for a while, then he loses. Yes. Ven- that is not a problem with Vengex. Vengex just, just shows up and he's just like, I'm just going to mop the floor with all of you. Yeah. No Fs are given. Well, it's it's like we've talked about we've talked about this before. If you want to establish you if you want to establish your main villain as a legitimately main villain, you either make them as cool as possible or you make them as interesting as possible. Or albeit Vengex is not all that interesting because we've seen the evil AI trope before, but he is cool and he is intimidating. Yeah, for sure. And he's relentless. He's a great villain for this season for this team yeah also the last great villain voice on power rangers oh just my saying gosh. well i mean yeah. and yeah I, I mean i've been joking about it making reference to it but i mean he is so full of himself the one immortal me i mean <laughs> there are a lot of power like, ranger villains that lay claim to being immortal he arguably is because He's only mostly dead at the end when they drop the Tokyo Tower on him. Well, no, that was the it wasn't the <laughs> Tokyo was Tower, true. but the Tokyo Tower Tokyo shows Tower. up in this, which is funny. It does, yes, but it's it's the Corinth Radio Tower. Yeah, that controls the shield for the dome, <laughs> which seems weirdly poetic in a lot of ways. I was a little worried. I was like, "That's how we're gonna beat him. We're just gonna drop that on him." But then I realized, oh wait, this show needs a lot of time to do denouement and wrap things up. I yeah. get it now. Yeah. But yeah, Vengex works very well within the season as a villain. And like I said, is arguably the most successful villain out of all of them. Very much. Yeah. Now, I, I think the next two that we can talk about in tandem, General Shifter and General Crunch. Yeah. So Captain uh, Crunch. What? Captain Crunch? I was gonna, you beat me to it. The, the, I was going to make a serial joke, but okay. <laughs> General Shift into Turbo and Captain Crunch. General Crunch and Shifter... I honestly, yeah. Well, I if should you mention, were to ask me which one is which, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Shifter's the one that actually gets kicked out, and then okay. his body it's, becomes the base for Vengeance's second Vengex body. One. And I should it's, mention, it, Crunch is pl- voice is like really high. Yeah, no, yeah, that's Crunch. Like, oh, that's no. Crunch. Yeah, Charlie okay. McDermott does okay. the voice for him. Shifter is Mark Mitchinson. Yeah, okay. We always give credit to the actors. I honestly thought Crunch and Shifter were only going to be in the first couple episodes because they too 
question the tropes, and then Venjix blows them up in frustration. <laughs> but then they came back, so you can't keep a bad robot down, I guess. Wah, wah, wah. Anyway. It wasn't intended to be a pun. But yeah, so they're generals. They do the general thing. There's not a whole lot to say about them. Other than, yeah, yeah one has a really high-pitched voice and the other one gets I mean, mad because he gets kicked out. I, I will say that General Crunch does have a, a, a nice one-on-one battle with our next villain we're going to talk about, Tanaya Seven. Tanaya Seven of Nine, right? Seven of Nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah so and, and later 15. <laughs> All right, guys, so we're back. There was some hiccups on my end, so we're shattering the illusion. We're recording a later day. If you could actually see me, you'd be able to tell it's different because... When we were recording the first bit, I was rocking the RPM gold t-shirt I have. Right now, I'm rocking RPM silver. Gem and Gemma for life, <laughs> homies. <laughs> yes, as, 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 of, as of recording, I, I, you know, this is a Sunday, so I have had my healthy dose of Canadian bacon this morning. What's the boom thing they say? I'm going to do it to you, son. <laughs> <laughs> boom time <laughs> is oh, <it> time? <laughs> that's, oh that's i, I so can't funny. remember i can't remember if it got recorded but i'm just gonna go on my rant again america i don't understand why y'all say <laughs> canadian bacon and it's ham that's not a thing we do up here <laughs> it's not a thing we call ham ham we have called bacon. And, and it's, guess what it's not ham I don't get it. <laughs> All right, back to the episode. Sorry. I wish the next thing we were talking about involved hammy acting <laughs> to, to oh, make the transition Which, we, which we get so few and far between in this show. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, we don't, but we don't. But we left off with Tanaya 7 or Tanaya 15, Tanaya 7 of 9. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah, we're okay. So here's what we, we left off. We were get, we just talked about Vengex. We're getting ready to talk Vengex, about Ten- Crunch and Shifter. Right. We're getting yeah. We're getting ready to Who, talk about tonight. To be honest, even on Sunday, I still can't recall the difference between Crunch and Shifter. Those are the only two <laughs> characters who left a very little uh, little impression on me. Everybody else was so dope. And then when I'm looking at the names of Crunch and Shifter, I'm just like. I still can't remember which one is Crunch is the one with the gear mohawk who lasted longer. Which, uh, okay. And then which one had the like high pitch voice? That was Crunch. That was Crunch. That was Crunch. And then Shifter was the more like three. Yeah, well, and then he got kicked out and he tried to go solo for a while. And then he just ended up as pieces for Vengex 3.0. <laughs> right, right. And then Vengex got his dope like beard body. And then now we're on to oh, Did yeah, you say I, beard or beer? I just beard. He said well, he said beer, but I wouldn't mind a beer. he said beard. I would but I wouldn't mind a beer right now. I'm I'm not It's a Sunday afternoon. That's it apparently an American yeah, tradition. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, Tanaya Seven <laughs> Played by Adelaide Kane. AKA the better version. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Don't go there. <laughs> I have opinions. I know oh. you do. I know you do. I mean, at yeah, least at, it at, is, we've, we've hinted at it in the previous recording. 
she would have been much different had Gazillion been able to stay in charge, <laughs> just well, like yeah. Dylan. Yes and no, because in the sense of, well, not even spoiler alert, the show's, show's old, but like, hey, she's she's Dylan's sister. But in yeah, the, she's a Gis- hybrid just like him. Mm-hmm. Yep. And when originally version, presented, we think she's just an android. Then we find yep. out she's a hybrid. In the Gazellian version, evidently, apparently, because he hasn't ever confirmed it, um, the idea was we were still going to be presented with that idea, and we would have just found out, like, oh, it was all a ruse. Whereas with the Judd Lynn version, he's just like, no, nah, I'm just going to keep it. So the seeds were there, so I don't see too much yeah. of a difference. Yeah, I, I, I saw a little bit of a panel video with Miss Kane. She uh, with uh, some of her castmates, and mm-hmm. they said that they still to this day, or at least in 2018, when they did this panel, they couldn't get Gazellian to tell them what he was going to do. She did it's, say that one of the hints she got from him was that she would have become a ranger. I was going to say, is that the one where she said it would have ended with me getting a bleep and morpher? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah, but it was instead of her being Dylan's sister, she was going to be a red herring. Yeah, right. It would have just been part of this massive lie because everything Dylan thought he you know, discovered about himself would have just been a lie. All of those memories were implanted in him. They were all fake. So basically, basically Macintosh from Operation <laughs> Overdrive, but infinitely better because it's not Operation Overdrive. Well, yeah, because in case, <laughs> listener, if you didn't hear us beat up on it enough in the first half of the episode, <laughs> Overdrive. <laughs> I am Overdrive is our new whipping boy. Uh, has, I am, I am certain. Turbo. Congratulations, uh, Overdrive. You have replaced Turbo as the whipping boy. Well, that's because Turbo is a better season. But um, it is. marginally. I will, I will, I I will acknowledge that I am sure there is someone out there who actually likes Operation Overdrive. So if you're that person, I am sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but anyway, so Tanaya, basically what ended up happening is when Judd Lynn replaced Gazellian, Gazellian didn't communicate with him, tell him what he was planning on doing. So Judd Lynn had to come up with something quickly so he fell back on something that he did when he was first on Power Rangers that he knew worked. And I will say, if you're going to borrow from yourself, borrow from the best. But that's why I'm I'm not 100% sure what to think. Because up until then, Tanaya has been an interesting character. What's fascinating about her is that she's kind of self-aware like but more like she's genre savvy and because she but in universe because she has some human traits she can look at Vengex just being very machine-like in his operation and kind of rigid for a while and basically be like why are you doing this again it didn't work before (laughs) well and she also ticks off a very important box for you is black spandex (laughs) (laughs) no it's black leather what was was the joke off the air last time oh yeah mommy tanaya oh mama tanaya yeah yeah, mama tanaya yeah because i mean we're kind of let's not bury the lead here basically Tanaya is Astronomer 2.0. Nate wants to be Tanaya's Her and Dylan are Andros and Astronomer. (laughs) What? In case you didn't hear, he said, you want to be Tanaya's whipping boy. (laughs) 
There are worse things. <laughs> that actually, Nate is actually editing this episode, listeners. So that actually may not get kept. If it gets actually, kept, actually, I'm probably go. gonna leave it in there. I hope you do because it's really funny. <laughs> it's, it's funny. So, it is funny. But anyway, so that's why I, I look at this and I'm just like, hold on a second. This is in isolation. Here's the thing. Right. I understand some of it came about because of behind the scenes drama. And I keep wondering, because Michael and I, you and I had this conversation. It's like, am I having trouble with this because uh, because of the curse of knowledge? And I'm not entirely sure. Because in isolation, I would probably look at this as actually kind of compelling. Let's right. make one of the heroes related to one of the villains. That's a great idea. Mm -hmm. But because I have the curse of knowledge, I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> We've done this before. It was amazing, yes, but we've done it before. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think it's as good here as it was in In Space. And I'm not just saying that because of my astronomer bias. I Mommy feel like... Astronomer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so do you... Well, I think... I think Wait, no, Dramana, is that what we're doing here? Momstronomer. There we Momstronoma. go. Right. But no, I, I think the reason why is because... In Space is 11 episodes longer. They gave that story a little bit more room to breathe. Mm -hmm. So yeah. it had more impact. Now, it's not to say that this has zero impact. It has impact. But I feel like if RPM had been a little bit longer or they were able to develop it a little bit longer before the revelation, it would have hit, I think, I, I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment because, yeah, I think what helps the Andros Astronoma arc is it is a drug out across several episodes as opposed to, I think this is what, three or four episodes. Uh, within five episodes, it's discovered, acknowledged, and all that. I can't remember exactly. Right, but, so, right. And then sorry. she gets turned again forcibly, right. just like Astronema. Right. And right. It, then she has to be rescued. She has to be free from now. I will say, no magic tears, thank Godzilla. But <laughs> just, a, just a magic parachute is all. Well, yeah. that, that's, that's kind of what I was going to say. I think in some ways, I see this almost as a bit of a redux. Like, it, it, would it have been better if it could have been plan more like gazellian had the idea that it was just going to be the fake out but the main issue that the story has is i've got no problem with it being similar to in space but mm -hmm. when it's almost beat for beat the recreation yeah. that's right. where it, it stumbles a little bit but i'll be honest i also don't now know how especially with all the behind the scenes like everything going on the cacophony of issues right. like how it could have been that like done slightly differently like i i i'm giving lynn all the leeway in the world for falling back on that because right yeah the seed was I mean, there it, when you they, have to do something quickly you go with what you know works and i think they had done enough to plant the seeds earlier on because i mean with gazellian's plan of it being a fake out you had to buy it to begin with and even from Astronema's like first, second episodes, when she's like hunting people and she's humming the theme that you get from the locket, like that already gets your your mind going to buying that they were brother and sister. Right. Yeah. But it's yeah. the it's where like it's basically like I'm on board. It's firing on all cylinders up until the point where it's like, hey, we we take her back and then she's forcibly brainwashed to Tanaya 15. Where I'll give this retelling of it the edge 
over the in space one is the lack of tears that ma- makes it so much better. And no offense to the actors involved in in space, but I just found the acting from Dylan and that. Uh, sorry, I'm just looking up his uh, his name, uh, Daniel Ewing and Adelaide Kane. I just found their acting to be. Just in the series in general, RPM has like the highest caliber acting in Power Rangers for me. So it's I'm so offended, perform- Chris. <laughs> Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, and uh, let me say this: I will, their performances I will, I will, win it over for me. <laughs> well, and I will give something else to this because just like Andros and Astronoma, we get traumatic flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. You know, Astronoma was kidnapped as a child, and. Andrew saw it. That's a, tra- that's a very traumatic event, but as yeah. traumatic as that was good grief, the flashbacks for Dylan and her, especially when we don't know it is her bruh. Yeah. <laughs> They're horrifying. Yeah. I was like, just like, it's like, Oh, did you think witnessing your sister being kidnapped was traumatic? How about, you know, being having surgery forced upon you in a dark factory basically being violated your sister is blind and you got to keep her safe and she's constantly crying out for help and you don't know what to, you're trying to keep her safe I'm like oh my gosh she's torn not, away it's from a you. nightmare she, she has new eyes forcibly implanted in her in her head she's got a, a whole like robo arm and the robot <laughs> that hand, runs around was, like it, but that was actually <laughs> no, no, kind thing. of, excuse that, me thing. Yeah. That was kind of like really fun as I revisited it. I'm like, you know what? Why not? <laughs> this is, it's a sillier aspect, but it fits. I'm also going to say, I really enjoyed Adelaide Kane's performance. It had the right amount of sass. She differentiated herself enough from Astronema, where if she had channeled some uh, like some of Astronema's mannerisms more, then I'd probably have more of an issue with it. But right. it's just like the story the the story is similar, but the characters are different enough, and the actresses are both bringing something different enough to the table. That, right, and I think yeah. that's partly because these characters are technically in different positions. Astronema was the big bad, exactly. Exactly. She was, you know, she was the boss. Tanaya is a general. Yeah. A high ranking general. Right. If I'm going to compare it to early Power Rangers, it'd be like, I know you guys didn't necessarily enjoy as much when Rita and Zed got married, but it would be like Zed was still the big bad, but Rita was like right under there. And then there was Goldar and Rito. Like there's, there's a bit of a gap there. Tanaya was always going to be Rita. I had less of a problem with it than Nathan. So just let me just I, make this for the record. I, I, yeah. I, I didn't hate it, but I also looked at it. Like you hated kind it. Kind of neutering both of these characters. A little yeah, bit. but you still hated it, Nathan. It's, no, I didn't. That is, you're, you're, you're confusing that with, uh, with uh, Diva Talks. All right. Can we move on? <laughs> Blue wigs and corsets. <laughs> Blue wigs, of course. It's, yeah, the the uh, our new metal album title. <laughs> Blue wigs, of course. It's. <laughs> but I re- I really I, I really like Tanaya, and yes, like her her parallels to Astronema are very clear and very obvious. But you know what? Like you said, Nathan, when you're borrowing from something, why not borrow from yourself and borrow from one of the best characters? And right. I know there there are some really solid characters, and there are a ton of things that you could have done. Like we know what they could have done with Tanaya. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But and I will say, I, I, the I think, thing- hang on, hang on. I think what the, uh, <laughs> stop interrupting at uh, interruptimus maximus. <laughs> but, the, but what they did worked is all I'm going to say. It, it, what they did worked, and I don't have necessarily a problem. The only problem I have is just the fact that it wasn't like developed over a longer period of time, right? Right, and I did like how they used her in the finale. Where, right. you know, unlike Astronoma, because Astronoma is the big bad, they waited until the end to, you know, basically restore her. Where in this, they undo the programming in a pretty intense fashion because they're like, here's the antidote. Well, I'm going to give it to my sister and not me. And so then she's like, okay, I need to help you. <laughs> yeah. And then you're pretty scared because you're like, are you going to kill her too? I mean, you already killed two of the Rangers. Oh. <sighs> Well, and and that's the and that's the thing with RPM. Like I find when I've talked to other people about it, what I uh, listener, what I'd almost want to implore with with this is because you can't help but you, it's common knowledge. Like it, it, the parallels are clear between the Tanaya and Dylan and Astronema and Andrew's yeah. story. But this is one of those times where I'm I'm going to say, like, you can't base it on what could have been or what should have been when you factor in everything that was going on that led to it, like RPM, the production turn, like the, the behind the scenes tumult, the production turnover reasons, yeah. uh, like the reason that and action was an episode basically like, hey, we need some time oh, to recover geez. and get the new regime in. Uh, like, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we we got to get that stuff in. When you factor all of this stuff in, you just have to go by like how it did the show in its own way successfully pull off the story. I'm going to say yes. Is it? clearly what it was before absolutely but did it still succeed to me thousand percent right right i'm not saying it didn't work oh it's no just, no no it's just one of those things again i think in isolation it works better mm-hmm. but when you have the curse of knowledge you're like wait a minute well, we did it, this before <laughs> it's one of those things where uh, just to jump to a different franchise for a second like Star Wars in so many of its oh, media, boy. books, comics, yeah. games, whatever. The stories are 99% of the time always bloody cyclical. It's pretty much got the exact same stuff over and over again. But if you're going to enjoy the story as much as it is outside of the rare, like, wow, this is so outside the norm for it. That's mm. making it awesome. You yeah. got to, you do have to kind of look at it in isolation. Yeah, right, and I think, right. and I think that's why this felt weird because RPM is so atypical compared yeah. to what came before it in the Rangers franchise. That suddenly it just leaning into what had already been done before. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> and Michael, you were going to say something. I was, and I lost. And thanks to Nathan, I lost my train of thought. Ah. So. Oh, now I made it awkward. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> no, no, okay, okay, okay. Now I, I, I got it back again. I got... Thank you, Chris. I owe that yeah. to you. <laughs> uh, I love you, buddy. The RPM bro and the peacemaker of this podcast. This, this is true. <laughs> this is true. And his name is John Cena. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, you can tell we Cena, you can see me. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, no, we can't. Not in this call. We don't have video. <laughs> you are John Cena. Listeners with attitude, if this gets kept, 
you can tell we're being a little, this is a different day because we're a little bit more silly than we were the, the first half of this episode. But what I was going to say is, yeah, I want to affirm what you said, Nathan, about the curse of knowledge. But here's the question I have for some of our listeners. And I, and I know this person exists. It has to exist. If RPM was your first introduction to Power Rangers. Oh my gosh. What did you think about the tonight? Because we do have the curse of knowledge. We know what came before, and we can and we can point out the we can point out the similarities. But what did you think about the the Tanaya Seven story arc with her and Dylan? So that's that was my only question I wanted to ask right. because I know that person exists out there. Right. I I right. also kind of want to quickly piggyback off of that. If RPM was your first Power Ranger season. I want to know how viewing the other seasons of the show. Oh yeah. Backward. Yeah. Going backwards. Yeah. Because this is so atypical and that when you like, it really is groundbreaking for power Rangers. It challenged so many of the tropes It flipped it on its head. It flipped the conventions. What in a loving way, it wasn't like flipping them off, but it was like, no, I'm going to be different while still embracing. But when you see the tropes and you see the stuff that, RPM did a typically if that's your introduction I'm actually really curious how how that impacted the viewings of the yeah. other seasons because yeah. my a lot of my enjoyment from RPM is because of how atypical it is but you don't know what's atypical if that's your first one for sure so we do have a couple more people under the villain category I talk about first we have kilobytes Kilobytes, my next to Tanaya is my favorite of the generals. Voiced by Leighton Cardno. He's got so much. He's got a lot of personality. Lots of personality. The suit actor is just going all out with this guy. The design is kind of wild, but not too wild. He's got like a weirdo kind of coiffy mohawk looking thing. And he plays with it all the time because I guess I I was going to describe it as a mohawk. Uh, yeah, like Fohawk adds yeah, yeah. He thinks he's the coolest guy in the room. He thinks he's smarter than everybody. He thinks he's a better fighter than everybody. And then after kind of showing everybody up for a little while, suddenly Tanaya gets made into Tanaya 15. And then Vengex doesn't pay any attention to him anymore. And then he gets very <laughs> jealous. And now he's like, it's no fair. I'm going to show him that I'm better than her. <laughs> Vengex is the one that wastes him, right? Like it's just been a, uh, a couple, a good couple days since I watched the ep, the the. Episode. No, it wasn't. No, I think it, the Rangers okay. beat him. Yeah, it, okay. it wasn't. It wasn't. No, it was. Oh God, I think it was the Blue Ranger that that actually ended up killing him. Okay, I think it was Flynn. I think Flynn killed him. I'm. I don't. I don't know why I I was picturing in my head like Vengex in his in his third awesome bearded body, just like one punching kilobyte and then being like, I'm done with you. No, but I was thoroughly, I was thoroughly impressed that they upped the threat level with Vengex in that final form. It says red, blue and yellow arrive with the road blaster. And that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it was. That was the kill shot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And he has a British accent. Yeah. And, (laughs) We do love our British accents for sure. Yeah. What I like about yeah, yeah and uh, for some odd reason, British accents to Americans sound very villainous. I, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> must be our history with being a British colony. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's like it's 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 like British accents. British accents sound villainous, and Canadian accents sound uber friendly. 
So this is my <laughs> this is my handoff to Chris because Chris was going to say something. <laughs> As somebody who lives here, I can attest. I love that everybody thinks we're so friendly, but we're not nearly as polite as everybody thinks. I hope one day we will be. <laughs> I know, Chris. I'm friends with you. <laughs> no, no, that listener, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, getting uh, getting back to Kilobyte, I, I, there's a part of me that wonders if somewhere in the writers room. They would have been like, if not for the dang censors, I think, I wonder if they would have called him something like Killer Bite. No, I think, no, I think, no, that would be stupid. I think that, (laughs) I think Kill, I I think Killabite works. And I think you, all you would really have to do is just change the spelling to K-I-L-L-O-Bite. Killabite. Instead of the normal spelling of Killabite. So with Killabite, he's like by default after Tanaya, my, my favorite of the generals, just because Mm -hmm. as I've alluded to, like I didn't, as much as I love RPM outside of those three on the villainous side, like crunch and shifter really fell by the wayside. Like even forget SWAT and Babu had more development than those two did. Kilobyte Uh had enough of a character where he could stand out. He had weird concepts of honor while at the same point, kind of being misogynistic, sexist, a b- but not, not as bad as general truth. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. <laughs> I'm not letting you forget it, um, but he was still like an engaging, uh, an engaging enough character where there were shades of not a clip, a dark Honda. He reminded me at times a bit of dark Honda, but without- Except not nearly as unscrupulous. I feel like, well, no, yeah, no, well, not as nearly as nihilistic as dark Honda either. No. What well, where I was going to compare it was like, in in space, like he had that rivalry with Eclipter, where it's like, mm-hmm. I want to be Dark Spectre's favorite, but then he's also like, nah, I wanna I wanna run the show and take over Dark Spectre. I didn't get that impression from Kilobyte, but there were shades of that rivalry where as soon as he comes in, he's stepping to Denaya. And I loved Tanaya's sassy reaction to everything. Yes. Well, <laughs> like, but but the thing is, is Kilobyte's got some sass too. I wrote down oh, several yeah. Kilobyte lines that I considered for best line. Like one of which I'm looking at it now was like, huh, that's a little self-aware because he says, "Hmm, a robot with attitude, how charming." <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think he's talking to Tanaya at that point. Yes. And Tanaya has so like Tanaya has so many great eye-rolling gifts, like. <laughs> Adelaide Kane, I actually loved her performance. Oh yeah, uh, she's didn't wonderful. Get as dramatic as other, like some of the other actors and actresses did, but the, mm-hmm. what she was channeling was awesome. And just her facial reactions to everything at times were having me crack up for all the right reasons. Mm-hmm. And then when she was menacing, she was menacing, and you could buy her mechanically lining up with Vengex and Kilobyte, but I dug the crap out of the rivalry the rivalry between generals is something they'll do in power rangers it's a trope but this one might be one of my more favorite Mm -hmm. ones because of like nah she's she's suddenly like i'm not top dog this guy's not only saying he's better general than me he's also kind of downplaying me and i'm kind of a human woman and i don't who are you talking to? (laughs) yeah 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 well and speaking of that like here's another one i think he's talking with crunch this is in one of the last episodes and crunch says you're practically invisible. And then 
Kilobyte gets his big old rifle out and says, is this invisible? (laughs) 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 And then he has another one. They're like, this is an action movie one-liner right here. He says, be aware, Tanaya, one of my glitches is lethal. (laughs) Yeah. That's a little bit euphemism. That's a little bit of a euphemism. It sounds almost like. (laughs) I think to to piggyback off of what Chris was saying about uh, Kilobyte and Darkonda, I think a good, I think maybe a closer character that you might be thinking of is lost. Shoot. I lost the name. Dark lost galaxy. Deviat. There we go. No, no, no. Deviat. 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 I think it reminds me a little bit more, a little bit of Deviat. That's fair. Yeah. Oh, and another kilobyte line. He comes to save you and you use him as a human shield. What a dreadfully (laughs) dysfunctional family. (laughs) (laughs) Said with that very British deadpan delivery, which just makes it even better. (laughs) So I'm I'm just going to toss this out there right now. Carl Dutton or friggin' Boom Studios. Somehow, some way, can you guys give us a Zeo RPM crossover? Because I really oh. want Kilobyte to interact with the royal family. <laughs> I'd love to see Ven- Like, I'm just picturing those interactions with those characters. I'm just like, oh my gosh. Give me well, that episode. <laughs> well, here's the like robot. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think Vengex would win. <laughs> well, okay. So here is, here, here is something that I think this is something, I don't think this is too spoilery. Now, Nathan, will, you'll correct me if, and tell me if you're going to cut this or not, but you know, Carl has said to us that just because the machine empire is dead, that doesn't necessarily mean that technology ever actually dies. Right. So I can see now, Carl, if you're listening, this is an idea. I can see where the machine empire could possibly create the Vengex virus. That would be an interesting concept. I think I'm just picturing, tell me Mondo and Kilobyte having a sass off wouldn't be awesome. <laughs> you can't. I don't I think Kilobyte would get very annoyed with little not Prince Spro- Sprocket. Actually, yeah, isn't it Sprocket? It's you talking about Sprocket? Because I know you're not talking no, about No, 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 no. The younger brother. Yeah, that's Sprocket. That's Sprocket. Is it Sprocket? Oh yeah. Gasket older. Gasket is the Gasket, older brother. That's yeah. right. Okay. Gasket's the older brother. Yeah, Sprocket. Yeah. It's like, just, I- I yeah, like picture, I think you'd be annoyed with the Mondo child. I being civil and like threatening to each other, but I can like Kilobyte would be so sassy, and Mondo has that sassy side where I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, that would just be outstanding to watch. And then also Ratchet and Clank with Shifter and Crunch, uh, it would just be like, look, the Scottish guy wins. Ratchet and Clank? Oh, <laughs> Clank. Uh, yeah, Clank, Clank and Orbis. I, I, there we I, go. I, I, I forgot wait, Orbis. Like, Ratchet name. and Clank, the video game? Wait, no, yeah, there is no. a Ratchet and Clank. I knew as I said it. I was make that connection? <laughs> I knew as I said it, I was wrong, but I'm like, I just couldn't remember <laughs> Orbis's name. <laughs> so I'm like, I'll fake it and they'll correct me. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to see Clank and Orbis talk with Flynn just to see who can outscot right? the other one. <laughs> this writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> I just want Flynn to walk up and just like, I'm about to go Glasgow style on you. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give in to my worst instincts instincts and use the the what what is it? What is it, Nathan? The quote the do, our dodgy Scottish accent. Our dodgy Scottish accent. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I don't care. This writes itself. 
This is <laughs> I don't care. Just do it. Itself. <laughs> All right, uh, we should we should get back to the foot soldiers, aka the cogs 2.0 or the meat grinders or the meat grinders. How did you yeah, guys that, like that? The that was my little nickname for him. It's like because I will tell you, these things are from the Sentai, but especially in the first episode of RPM, they make them look horrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they become they slowly become less horrifying the 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 longer the series goes on, which is right. what typically happens with our foot soldiers. But they are incredibly unset. I would say I don't know. I don't know honestly who is more unsettling these. Or the cogs, I, I I feel like the grinders might because, like I said, you know, meat grinders because they kill humans. Mm-hmm. But I think because they look like they were like cobbled together from whatever Vengex could find, because the cogs look very refined, pristine, and refined by comparison. These Factory look like four. they were thrown together with whatever he could find. Like they, he just went through and found a bunch of junk. And made them into right. Well, I think that's I think that's the point. I think they're meant to evoke this feeling of these foot soldiers came from the early days of the Venge of the Vengex takeover of the world, where he was just cobbling together whatever he could to make an army. Right. Yeah. And I think much more so than the cogs. I think the cogs had the potential to be this way, but these things also feel scarier. Because of how relentless they feel, but that—that's Vengex in general. Well, that's but, the yeah. I was gonna say that's the villains in general, yeah. though. Yeah, but like, they, because he's using these grinders so much, they really just feel like they just keep now, coming. Now, here's my question. This is one thing that kind of bugged me about not necessarily just the grinders, but just the villains and a little bit of our civilians as the the human cast as well. And and I get why this had to be the way it is, but you guys just let them walk through the front door. I mean, come on, guys. There's been a number of episodes where they just say, I'm going to send the grinders and I'm going to send this monster robot thing. And they just waltz right into the front door like nothing. I think the idea is that the city is mostly fortified, but they find little yeah. so maybe okay just to slip in. It's not even a gap; it's a big friggin' door, like right there. It's not even a gap. So what <laughs> I'm what what I'm what I'm wondering is, and they don't ever explain this, so I'm assuming like the the city proper is fortified, but there's this outer barrier that is a little bit more open and a little bit more susceptible to attack. That's what I'm thinking it's it's supposed to be no prize that's my no prize that's my uh, ret or not retcon that's my no prize for that just to reason it out in my head but else but if that's not the case then ah, you guys really need to do better about security around this place come on guys you know what i I, i'll I'll grant you that i think that's fair because i'm even thinking of the like early on when dylan just became the black ranger and he's like gonna drive scott's car out through that door Mm -hmm. Where it's just like, hey, it's fire every second except for like a five second gap. Right. Where it's like, okay, this is a story necessity. Like the Death Star, yeah. like the the reactor on the de- the first Death Star. Where it's like, well, we got to uh-huh. have some way to blow it up. Port. All right, this. Yeah, the, the exhaust port. It, they did a good enough explanation episode to episode where it was like, hey, we're going to send the digger guy to dig under it. And once he's in, he's compromised the shield enough that, hey, the shield connection spotty. So then we can send him in like yeah. they 
they did enough explanation where I could I could roll with it, but I do think that's uh, that's a fair observation, Michael. They could have done more, especially once you saw that to be like, hey, in the line, right? Yo, we realized that that was messed up. We added like a full on steel door a little bit behind it. So then when there's that gap, it's just airflow. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm and I and I only attribute it to the fact that they needed something to move the plot along. And that, yeah, again, right. this is a this this came out in what, 2009. This is yeah. 2009, I think. So this is a kid's show from 2009. Again, just it's it's it feels a little silly and unfair to nitpick it now because this is yeah. not necessarily modern media per se, but it's just a little bit weird. But I get but I get why you needed to have something like that to just kind of help move the plot along. Yeah, because the thing is, the ultimate goal, Vengex's ultimate goal is to knock out all the defenses and mount a full scale assault. Right. You can't do that. Yeah. But what we also need them to make attempts through small gaps in the defenses so that we can have a you know the plot of the week or the attempt of the week you know to knock out the defenses or whatever we you know we need to have that so that we could right. you know have a week to week story it also gives the story a good balance because how are you going to explain every single episode like oh the rangers have to go outside of corinth they shook it up enough where it was the Rangers having stuff happen where Vengex is trying to break into Corinth. Yeah. I'm almost picturing it like water on the Titanic where it's like, Hey, once that thing's starting to sink, Vengex is going to do what he can to force his way in there. It would be weird if the Rangers were always out of Corinth, if they were there to protect them. But it is one of those things where, I love that we're acknowledging that it's a nitpick because by and large, I don't have really any issues with this season. All I have are nitpicks. So if we're right. So I was telling Nathan last night when we were discussing ranking, I think honestly what will hold certain seasons back or even, or what will hold certain seasons back from others is a pile of small things, a pile of nitpicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As of right now, I'm still on the fence about where I want, if I, if I love SPD more or if I love RPM more, it's going to be just, uh, uh, it's going to be what it's going to come down to a pile of nitpicks or, a pi- or how. <laughs> Sorry. I'm Go just ahead. laughing. Cause Go I'm ahead. Just... <laughs> well, not for you. I was going to say, I can't remember the, the main, uh, SPD doesn't have mommy Tanaya, so <laughs> yeah, but yeah, but it, yeah, but SPD, uh, yeah, but also, but uh, but 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 also, uh, man, that's but SPD also has a kitty cat, so that's true. <laughs> anyway, Zords. Ooh, okay, so I know I. But- I, I have opinions I, about the Zords. I have opinions. Go ahead. Go ahead. So Chris. do I. No, no. I actually want to hear your guys' opinions first because I feel like we're going to disagree. I... Well, here's my thing about the Zords. Just as a general thing, we'll go over some of them kind of individually. Other than maybe the Ranger costumes, the Zords are where the incredibly different Sentai bleeds through a little bit. It is. It yeah. is. And and I, I'm just going to say this now. I hated these Zords when I first started watching this show. But like a lot of things in RPM that aren't supposed to work, but actually just do, they just kind of do. Now it helps through exposition. And I'm thinking of a very specific Q and a session with Dr. K that may, <laughs> not, that may not show up in my awards, 
But these Zords are incredibly goofy looking and with their big old anime eyes and and they should not work for as serious as this show is. And yes, I think I'm thinking specifically, oh God, what is it? The the two Zords that Jim and Gemma drive, the helicopters. Ma- the Mac, Me- is that part of the Mac Megazord, I think? Uh, Falcon and Tiger Jet? Yeah, Falcon and Tiger Jet. That's what it is. The Mock Megazord. Uh, the Mock yeah, Megazord. Megazord that combines with the whale. Well, apparently these Zords talk or they make they sounds. They are alive in yeah. Sentai, which this is not the first time where living Zords, the living Mecha, are not alive. Right, but when but when they're but when but when Jim or Gemma is landing one of their zords, it's its mouth is moving like it's talking and it's just kind of weird, but you know what? I was willing to go with it, but yeah, I really well, I did, I did not like Totem Pole Megazord until <laughs> Totem Pole Megazord. The high octane Megazord, that was the first one, which can then become the Zenith Megazord, then the Skyrev Megazord, and finally the RPM Ultrazord, because we get an Ultrazord again for the first time in forever. <laughs> so here's, I guess here's where I'll hop in on my opinions. Sure. One, I, I do get what you're saying with the, it, it's one of those weird things where I'm like, this is part of the charm of RPM, where, especially based on any other Power Ranger show, but it's one of the few, it, to me, it's an example period of a show where there's so many things that shouldn't work but somehow they do and they all yeah. coalesce i think so yeah if i yeah, and we I, talked about why they work it's because oh, yeah. well dr the, k is a super genius but is also kind of childish at the that, same time so yeah she would great... develop highly advanced technology but she would make it look kind of toyish kind of silly that was such a great reasoning that in my head, I'm like, no, that that's, that's my head cannon. Now I acknowledge head cannon isn't canon cannon, but I'm just rolling with that. Yeah. I also can't picture RPM working as well without these orbs. Like if I were to do more serious versions, then I'm like, eh, it loses a bit of its charm. But where I want to park on the Zords briefly is, and I know this is something you guys have voiced numerous times when the shows make the zords and the megazords reign is like you get a megazord you get a megazord you get a megazord and there's like 15 of them it they lose some of their luster they lose some of their specialness yeah rpm has the best reason for me why there's so many different megazords like as vengex's technology is growing and expanding and rapidly becoming more difficult to deal with RPM having so many different Zords, there's a storyline reason why we have the High Octane Megazord, them being able to join with the Velvax Megazord, becoming the Zenith, and then the Mach and whatever. It's because yeah. they have to have these, they have to keep developing these so they can combat the threat. That makes right. so much sense. Yeah. And now that's what- this still doesn't have as nearly as many Zords as yeah wild force wild force is nuts but i will confess there are times i do kind of miss the simplicity of mighty morphin season two excuse me season one slash zoo ranger where you just had seven (laughs) yeah (laughs) that was all you needed you had seven but you also had like you could do the various combinations but I don't know if that, like, based on the story they were telling in RPM, I don't know if I would have bought that. Because if they're saying, like, Vengex's technology is developing beyond the point where we can meet it, but then they're still beating it with, like, the high-octane Megazord, 
it wouldn't it, make sense. It wouldn't yeah, have worked. Right. And I'll also confess, I like marked out when the Ultra Zord showed up because, I mean, taking one giant robot and j- combining it with another one, always dope. But when you do it with three and suddenly this already giant robot is like skyrocketing over the villain, you're just like, <laughs> dope. This is this is the closest thing I've seen to when you got the original Ultra Zord in Mighty Morphin, where you're like, it's just going to fire everything. Like, you know, this is the kill shot. When yeah. you got the Ultra Zord, I'm like, yep, I'm brought back to when I was a kid. This is yep. dope. <laughs> yeah, I will. Uh, I, I can see that there. So just to kind of rattle off the individual Zord. So the high octane is the Eagle Racer, Lion Hauler, and Bear Crawler. Yep. <laughs> Valve Max, which is when Ziggy and Dylan joined the team. It's the tail spinner wolf cruiser, and then they get the croc carrier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can tell, like, because uh, what's the name of the? It's engine sentai. Go on, go on, go on, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it it's auto racing themed, so that's why these things With look like animals. Hot Wheels cars. <laughs> Which I'm yeah. not. I'm not going to complain too much because I have already seen a couple of episodes of Samurai, so I'm not going to complain about yeah, these. Yeah, yeah. And then the mock, <laughs> me- and then the mock Megazord. We get yet another Falcon Zord. Okay. Yeah. The tiger jet, the whale zord, a flying whale, because why not? <laughs> a flying I mean, blue whale, by the way. Yeah, not I mean, just any whale. The internet knows of whales on stilts. <laughs> Friggin' what, what was it? Rebels? Space whales are a thing. Star yes. Trek, there was a movie about going back in time to save some bloody whales. Why yeah. not a whale zord? <laughs> why not a, a flying whale zord? And then we get why the not? paleomax zord, which looks kind of like a train. Yeah, yeah. And there's just three Paleozords that make it. So they kind of bring some dinosaurs in a little bit toward yeah. the end. And then we had the Road Attack Zord. Yeah. If if there the was Raz. one Megazord to me that was the weakest, it would be the Paleomax. I didn't have a, I, I didn't have much of a beef with it, but it was mostly like, hey, this is Scott's, almost Scott's private Megazord, where, all right, it, it kind of works, but. I mean, he didn't get a Battleizer, so he's got to get something. Yeah, and I, I'm actually kind of glad he didn't get a battleizer. I'm not. Yeah, the battleizers got a little old after a while. I was never that huge on them. I mean, once you got like sparkly ranger armor, where it's like, ah, oh, you got cooler ninja suits. <laughs> you got cooler ninja suits, and the red ranger having the green dragon shield worked as a battleizer. After that, I'm just like, nah, nah, I don't need the battleizers. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm glad they kind of. I'm glad that the the battleizers have been a little bit few and far between with with these later seasons. I'll also say here, just cause I don't know when I'm going to have the chance to do it again, just with such power aficionados. I'm kind of mm. glad this season didn't have civilian powers. I understood it, but I was never that big on it. And they did that hybridization where there was a ranger reason for the civilian power uh, for the, like what would be a civilian power in another season to be mm-hmm. with the ranger. Yeah. I just prefer that. I just prefer the Rangers not having like superpowers, super strength. Well, it gives, but it, it, yeah, it gives, it, I'm trying to think of the right word, but it's, it, it doesn't have as much weight when you have, when you have episode, when you have circumstances like what happened with, we'll say, I'll use, uh, I'll use Ninja Storm for, for an example. The, the conclusion of Ninja Storm, they relied upon their own strength, their own yeah. power. Now, they, they still had civilian powers, but it wasn't as, what's the word I'm looking for, powerful as, it wasn't as like, 
I don't know. It, it wasn't like Dino Thunder or even what we just talked about with Di- with Jungle Fury. It wasn't even like to that degree. It was more so their skills that they had learned as rangers, as as wind rangers that helped them, not necessarily their these mystical powers that were bestowed upon them. I get why it's there because you just kind of it's a superhero show, it's a kid show, so big flashy powers, whatever. Okay, fine, whatever. But I am with you, Chris. I'm glad that RPM just did not dig into that. It helps it when the Rangers can stand out, even if one gets more focused than the other, it makes mm-hmm. us as viewers more invested and like the characters more. Especially right when they're doing such a great job outside of the suits, getting you identifying it with it. This, Mm -hmm. this season has one of the best balanced teams I can think of where I'm like, you're attached to everybody on the team. Like sure. Gem and Gemma don't get as developed. You could argue summer and Flint get relegated a bit. Uh, They don't get as developed, especially as Scott and Dylan and even Ziggy, but each of them still do enough to stand out. Flint is Probably the most well-adjusted member of our cast. Yeah, yeah. Summer yeah. is. Well, so, well, yeah, Summer, but... We went over it, this. Summer's the most well-adjusted. Now, but she also had the most dramatic change. Yeah, she also had the most dramatic change pre-Vengex, so... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but okay, so maybe not well-adjusted. Maybe maybe not well-adjusted is, is the right way to describe Flint. Maybe the most optimistic. I think I, think I describe right. Flint as optimistic. Yeah, and it's Flynn, not Flint, but anyway. Whatever. Fl- yeah, Flint. Flint Flint was Jungle Fury. Yeah. No, <laughs> Flint. 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 That was it. <laughs> anyway, Monsters of the Week. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna not... Nec- I don't really have a whole lot to say here, because I'm going to let you and Chris talk in this, in this portion more so than me, because I don't actually have any Monsters of the Week I want to highlight. I, will, I want to just mention that as opposed to past seasons where all of the monsters of the week tend to have their own personality that drive the plot along these for the most part, there are exceptions are just mindless machines, which I think makes them scarier. I was, it's, I think that I felt like that was an effective way to take what were probably very silly monsters from a very silly Sentai and make them scary. Mm-hmm, yeah. I was yeah. actually gonna, I was actually gonna say basically what Michael just said. I don't really have much to say about them because the monsters of the week in RPM, they're not quite generals, but they're also not the foot soldiers. They don't really have personalities. They're, they're just they're, wep- they're just weapons. They're weapons. They're right. weapons with yeah. they're, they're typically they they seem to me and this is probably a, a a little bit reductionist, but they're they're just essentially weapons with legs. Exactly. Yeah. It, it, the, most of them didn't even have voices. They just made gr- like gr- grunts, robot yes. noises and grunts. Yeah. And yeah. I think that fit them. So I, Nathan, you actually have stuff written down. I don't really, I have, have I came up with three. I didn't want to go too much in it because again, most of like you guys were saying, they're just weapons on legs at this point. Yeah. But I, I highlighted two that actually do have personalities and some plot significance. One is Satbot. The okay. satellite looking one that we see yes. in some of the flashbacks. Right. That was... Apparently he was supervising the creation of the hybrids. And he also tells Dylan in the present, I have your memories. And he holds, he basically holds the memories hostage. Mm-hmm. He says like, you can't kill me. I have the answers that you want. 
you know, and then his his final line is thanks for the memories when he blows up, which is kind of funny. Uh, It's almost almost a little metatextual because they're talking to the audience now. It's like, thanks for for the thanks for the memories, guys. Yeah, yeah. But because he's got a wild design, an interesting voice, and it's not the most dynamic of personalities. But I think, again, that makes him kind of makes him a bit scary. And like I said, that was a big moment in the Dylan plotline because dylan had to make a choice he decides you know what saving corinth is more important than me having answers so yeah you can blow the heck up <laughs> yeah yeah and he's scary in the flashbacks i couldn't believe it. again they take something that was probably silly and they make it terrifying credit to the cinematographers for that dude the cinematography on the show oh my gosh just it's movie caliber to be honest this i this is the one pre Neo Saban era season, I wish was in widescreen. Sentai was already in widescreen. Yeah, that's the biggest. Okay, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this at the top of the show, but I want to bring it up here. If I have any gripe at all with RPM, it's the fact that it's not in widescreen. Like this is 2009, and I get that what widescreen wasn't the standard until 2009. Yes, no, maybe so. But that's the biggest one of the biggest gripes I have about RPM is because it isn't in widescreen. That's fair. I I just realized I have yet to in this day's recording emphasize, hey, RPM is awesome. So I'm just going to take this time to say (laughs) this show is friggin awesome. I think I think we we get it by now, Chris. I I think we get it by now. I will beat that drum over and over. Yeah. (laughs) And then another one I had. Because again, he actually had a personality and his was a little bit more dynamic, shall we say? And that's Dinobot. The name just reminds me too much of the awesome character Dinobot. But anyway. Yeah, yes. well, that is true. <laughs> I, I see true, what but... I see what you did there, sir. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get you get your rim shot. Yeah, but he was obsessed with explosives. He was in a very significant episode. It was the episode Ghosts, which was Ooh. just a really cool episode. Oh yeah. 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 So, you know, and the fact that he could talk and he was calculating and ruthless and, you know, all that, all the stuff that you want in a good Power Ranger villain. But because he has a cool design and a personality, it made him stick out from the typical RPM attack bots. That's what they're called. Right. And then the other one, not because there's a personality, but because his design is insane and actually made him look kind of horrifying. And he came back a couple of times was Sawbot. Good Lord. <laughs> Sawbot is nuts. The The thing is practically a giant walking chainsaw. And I'm like, how is this not horrifying? <laughs> I know it's not intentional at all, but the name Sawbot reminds me of Saba. Anyway. So- <laughs> <laughs> Sunday not? afternoon silliness, everybody. <laughs> There are I mean, worse it, things. It, it, but... it definitely it definitely cuts right to the point for sure. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> you win. Where's the award? You win. <laughs> uh, all the awards this episode go to Michael for that Based joke. And, for that joke. <laughs> and speak and speaking of cutting right to the point, we have to transition into actually the one, the only reason why our listeners even listen to this show in the oh, first come place. On. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Our thematic no, discussion. No, 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 you know they tune in for the corsets and mama astronomer jokes. Okay, come on. You're welcome for that, uh, by the way. Uh, the corsets uh, oh, yeah. and blue wigs jokes. They come for those. Oh, and it'll mom, don't worry. It, it'll and it'll show up again. Mom astronomer. Mom astronomer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's gonna mom show up again. And mom astronomer. You're oh, right. yeah. <laughs> oh boy. So after that fun little not talk <laughs> about <laughs> monsters of the week, because apparently I'm the only one who thought any of them were cool. We need to get to it wasn't that, but yeah. we need to get to <laughs> the heart of the episode. What apparently gets a lot of people interested in the power trip, our trademark thematic discussion, Michael, you and I, kicked around a lot of ideas for rpm as i'm just, sure it does not just, surprise chris <laughs> well there's just a lot of well there's just a lot of stuff to mine out of rpm that's why yeah like i i we toyed around so we toyed around we with things really like considered hope hope faith then we thought about uh, faith then we thought about finding your way <laughs> But you have to understand when we come up with the when we come up with a th with a topic for a thematic discussion, we're trying to find one that applies to as many of the characters, both hero and villain, mm -hmm. as we can. Right. So I actually love that the theme that you guys have because I have a slightly different one, but mm -hmm. I this theme that the theme that we're about to talk about that you guys have come up with also very much applies. Well, what yeah. was yours out of curiosity? Yeah, that's what I want to know too. Redemption. It's actually something oh. where I was even thinking like, uh, it, even when we were back uh, talking about what like RPM stands for, in my head, I've been like the R stands for redeemed because mm -hmm. every one of the main Rangers has mm -hmm. a redemption arc. Summer mm -hmm. especially. But Scott mm -hmm. is trying to redeem himself and prove himself to himself and his father. Flynn is very much the similar uh, similar thing. Summer, especially when you look at who she was in Ranger Yellow compared to who she is throughout the rest of the show. Ziggy in particular. Dr. K has a huge redemption huge story. Yeah. Dylan. It, Dylan may be less so because he's trying to find who... He's trying to figure out who he is. But even still, when, the, when Colonel Truman... Is like, how do we oh, know? He said we're right this time. I no, I, I because I, I'll joke that he's a, d but he's also a great character. Like he, even when he's pressing Dylan, like, how do we know you're not just like an infiltrator kind of thing? Dylan still has something to prove to himself and to the others as he gr as he goes throughout the show. Tanaya, there's like her whole thing is being in a way redeemed from what like what she had become. And even though that wasn't mm -hmm. something she had done to herself, it was still mm -hmm. bringing her back to Tanaya the person and not Tanaya 7 slash 15 or Tanaya 7 of 9 or insert any joke. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is one of the things I should have mentioned this that does separate her from Astronema, where the whole thing with was with Astronema was the whole nature versus nurture. Mm -hmm. How much of this did she choose? Tanaya, if from the get go, it is programming. Yeah. There's no choice. And like the only ones who don't really have much of a redemption arc per se are Jem and Gemma, but they do have in mm -hmm. some ways, so they do grow as characters and you could argue there's some redemption with them because of how they start out 
versus how like how they grow, how they go from shoot first to ask questions later, basically, to, oh, we actually need to strategize. We can't just go in and blow everybody up because we're going to end right. up killing civilians accidentally. Right, right. And I thought about redemption, but when Michael and I talk about this, we try to think, like, what could this potentially be pointing to something bigger? I don't, I don't, I want to, I know, I know we got to move on into like what the actual thematics are, but I wanted, I wanted to piggyback off of something Chris said about Jim and Gemma. They went from being selfish and reckless to selfless. Because if you think about that final episode where when we, well, when we first, when we first meet Jim and Gemma, they're just like, boom, boom, let's shoot every, just shoot and blow up everything. But in that final episode, they actually take the bullet for the rest of the Rangers. Yeah, right. So they they go from being reckless and selfish to being selfless. So that's kind of their arc. And I and I wanted to make sure I pointed that out before I lost it. So right. sorry, Nathan, sorry, Nathan. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. But like I said, we always try to see if we can go to something bigger. Mm-hmm. And I have to give a little bit of credit to Disney Brain about this, but I think it does encompass the things that we have been talking about hope and faith and finding your place, redemption, all of that falls under adaptability. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what I found interesting about why Disney brain said that he phrased it differently, but I broke it down to one word because all of these characters, you know, we talked before in, I believe it was mighty. Was it mighty Morphin season two? Right. Michael, where we talked about change. It, yeah, it was Mighty Morphin season change. two. Yeah. The thing about that, why I say we talked about that, we talked about change in season two, but displacement in Zio. Yeah, and w- the reason I say adaptability is because Disney Brain said all of these characters are forced to change because the world changed. The world basically ended, yeah. and they couldn't be the same people anymore. And I think that is most strongly illustrated with Summer. Mm-hmm. She Mm -hmm. couldn't be the stuck up selfish rich girl anymore because that's not going to fly anymore. Her money means nothing Mm -hmm. when she's in the middle of the wasteland and all anyone can think about is surviving. No one cares about money anymore. Mm -hmm. And Dr. K has to learn to change. She ends up seeking redemption. Yes, because of what she did, but she also forces herself to change. She's like, I can't just hide behind a computer. I can't be the faceless voice like alphabet soup anymore. Yeah. You know, I I have to actually interact with people. Well, why don't you call us by our real names and not just our ranger names? She has to learn to change that because she has to be emotionally available for her team to work. Right. You know, yeah. so all of these characters are forced to change. Scott has to change because his brother died and now he's the leader of this team and he's butting heads with people. Dylan right. is seeking change in some form or another. He has to reclaim his memories. Well, that he lost and both of them have to. And then especially when you add Gem and Gemma into the mix for Scott, he's got to adapt as a leader from someone who's summer and Flynn, even though they might challenge, they'll, they'll never not like their pushovers. Like they'll push back, but it's like, Hey, Scott's the leader. We defer to him even. And he takes into account what mm-hmm. we bring, but Dylan, especially yeah. in his earlier episodes flies off to a degree. And he's like, no, I'm just going to do my own mm-hmm. thing. And both of them adapt to Dylan working with people. He's been off in the wilderness legitimately with no idea who he is operating on his lonesome. Scott is now mm-hmm. getting someone who doesn't have that like disciplined military structure 
and doesn't like not in a disrespectful way, but doesn't necessarily respect that. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. There's a and lot of great stuff. The, oh yeah, there there really is, and you know. Colonel Truman has to learn to change because he's very, he's very rigid. He's like, we're going to outlast Vengex. Well, Dr. K is like, no, we're going to be a little bit more proactive. Yeah. That's why I have my Ranger operators. So he has to learn to work within that. And then he has to change how he does things, especially toward the end of, of the season. And Ziggy has to change because he's not in the mob anymore. And actually being in the mob got him into a lot of trouble and then, Oh, he becomes a very reluctant underdog power ranger. So that's a big adjustment. <laughs> Ma- luckiest member of this team. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so like I said, and that's the thing. And we, t- I think we talked a bit about this in the C- the MMPR season two episode, but you have to adapt to situations because if you don't, especially when it's a sudden you know, sudden shift like this, you know, the apocalypse, you can't be the same person and hope that you're going to survive. All of these Rangers, if they had not changed after the robot apocalypse, I don't think they would have made it anywhere. They would have died with everybody else. So all these characters, all these people, they have to change how they do things. And it's not as easy for some as I, it's very difficult for Dr. K. She doesn't want to. no, and it, it's it was hard for Jem and Gemma at first because at first the ra- rest of the Rangers just put up with them, and then after a couple episodes, they're like, "Will you please stop?" <laughs> well, and with Jem and Gemma, like the thing that I like with them adapting is it's like it's accurate to describe their stuff as selfish, but it's not intentionally so. Like they're not being malicious no. in it. They just don't know exactly better. because of how like where they were with Alphabet Soup and them being like in a basically in a labor camp and then actually just rangering out in the wilderness like this is all they've done this is all they know they're just going to keep doing that their 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 character growth was very interesting to me anyway sorry right <laughs> right no no it, it it makes total sense and then i we see it applicable to the villains because at first vengex is pretty rigid mm-hmm. as a machine would be He's trying the same thing over and over again. And then his minions are like, why are we doing this again? And then he blows a couple of them up for daring to be genre savvy. (laughs) Well, it's, it's sort of like what you and I talked about. And when we decided upon this theme, it's, that is kind of the nature of, of hacking of a computer virus. Like, especially because there are viruses. I'm trying to remember the terminology because I'm not, I'm not a computer programmer. Brute force. Yeah. Brute force attacks, like brute force attacks through a computer virus, like just these relentless attacks. And it may take some time. Let me just say this. It may take some time for those viruses to hack into the system, but they eventually do. It may take years. It may take minutes, but they eventually do. And it's part of that brute force mentality. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But then after a while, Vengex realizes I have to adjust. Mm-hmm. I have to adapt. What can I do differently? Let's try a few of those. Oh, how about I make myself a body so I can fight the Rangers myself? I'll do it myself. There are you no know. strings on me. Yeah, yeah, very Ultron. <laughs> and then we, and then it goes, it culminates. And I'm just sitting here, it's like, when did he have the time to plan this? Because this is insane. Right. Where it culminates with us finding out he doesn't just have a couple of hybrids. He has hundreds, if not thousands of them. There are 
random civilians in Corinth, including children yep. who are actually hybrids, that- <laughs> and he activates them all as sleeper agents. And I'm, when I when Michael and I were watching, and we saw and I saw that, like, oh my gosh, you want to talk about intense? I know we've done the whole thing where the Rangers. Where we have mind control civilians and the Rangers don't want to fight them, but this is by far the most intense take on that. Uh, that almost made my I, I, I can't believe that happened award, but I have something a little bit more metatextual that I'm going to use. Yeah, for that yeah. It's just like the fact that Vengex adjusted to the point where it's like, oh yeah, I'm going to make you fight the people that you're protecting. Yeah. Have fun with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's diabolical. So Vengex adapts for his own purposes but then the other characters you know they have to adjust for you i would say more positive reasons you know tanaya has adapted as has adaptations thrown on her and then in what even her coming out of that programming is technically forced upon her because dylan had to inject her with the antidote right but then she comes to her senses and she's like i need to help all of you right what was going on now, none of this would be nearly as effective if we did not have a team that was so adaptable. Yeah. Because right. if they were if if they were all bullheaded and they were unable to or unwilling to, I should say, to uh, to adapt and learn, I don't think that this would this would be as nearly as impactful. Right. Right. And when you have two fo- opposing forces that are constantly adapting to beat the other, that I think is a huge component of why this whole show felt as intense as it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because it's like, you know, Vengex comes up with a new plan. They're like, and we adjust to win. Oh, Vengex adjusts to win. They adjust to win. Vengex, it's just like this constant back and forth. Well, even like I said earlier, we get that even with the consistency of new Zords and new Zord combinations and all that. Unlike a future show where it's going to be like, You've earned this, even though you haven't. I've just got extras. I'm going to make them rain. I'm go saying I suck. <laughs> oh, that's that idiot's name. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am discount Zordon, and I'm the worst. Uh, not even discount yeah, no. Zordon. He's Dollar Tree Zordon. <laughs> Let's not sully the name of Dollar Tree with... <laughs> <laughs> like, it, it, like, the adaptability, I... Even though while even though I think redemption is ingrained in this, I agree absolutely. Oh, it very much that is. Adaptability right. is a, a true overall theme that seeps into every facet of this show. And then to even with the adaptability, just to just to give him credit, because I know I, I have picked on Colonel Truman with the truth just because it makes me laugh. But that character, you also do see him adapting as a father. Uh, to his growing son, mm-hmm. both who are wounded, have this traumatic experience, ongoing trauma, and then you see him adapt to the situation and loosen up, not only as the, we're just going to hold up here and outlast, but also just as a as a father to a son. Friggin' I love that character. I love this show. It's mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, and... I think part of the, I, I mean, I mean, there was a part of it was like, I really wish we could talk about hope. Hope it is, isn't as prominent in this. I think faith would be a better way to put it because the, these Rangers are very proactive yeah, in their actions against Vengex and in their defense of Corinth. Now, Corinth is the last hope for humanity because it's the last city on earth. Mm. And if Corinth falls, so goes humanity. Yeah, but these rangers are incredibly proactive. Yeah, they're incredibly proactive, and they are 
they're not just sitting around. Oh, yeah. I hope, well, and I hope it just goes away. Ugh. Yeah. You well, know. and they're very certain that they can mm. accomplish what they want to do. Right. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Which you know, they're incredibly determined, even up against huge odds. And then when they find themselves up against odds that they're not so sure that they can beat, then we get some dissension in the ranks and people start, and they there's some infighting going on like especially in those last couple episodes we're like what the fuck are we gonna do look at what he's uh, what what vengex is doing how are we supposed to win now you know that sort of thing like the zords are getting blown up two of the rangers are dead and just that's actually, man it was intense that's actually <laughs> something that is again one of the strengths of this show i can't think of another season that had the team have even though they were united unquestionably I can't think of a season where it was organically like that, where it was suddenly like the reacting to it like that, where there's the infighting, but it makes sense. And it's not coming from a one person being biased or snobbish. It's just a very organic, natural reaction to like two of our teammates are dead. Our tech is getting wiped out. Like he's evolved to this point. Everybody's sleeper agents. Like when we think of the uh, back in mighty Morphin the original days, even through zero and in space, like the teenagers were doing like 30,000 things and were the most idealized person, like idealized versions of people that you could argue they weren't as much as we love those characters. You can see the characters in RPM as real life people more so than you can the other, some of the other seasons. That's not to knock the other seasons. It's just one of the many strengths of this. Those, uh, I would say that the that previous seasons to this feel more idealistic. Yes. Yeah, right. That's not to diminish. Right. Them. Whereas this one, this one is hopeful. It's determined, but it's not ignorant yeah. of dire situations. Which no. is why I, I think I I think that's why I really do much like you, Chris. I really do gravitate toward this because I'm because this thing is like, yeah, you know what? I'm positive. I'm, I'm determined that we can win, but good Lord, is it going to be hard? Yeah. <laughs> it also speaks to a little bit of adaptability mm-hmm. because once you've adapted so far, uh, for like for, for, to use our Rangers and for, to use the situation that they're in, for instance, like they have seen some pretty messed up things. I'm sure post-apocalypse. <laughs> so the question Billions becomes, dead. how do you, <laughs> <laughs> yes. How do you like, how do you come back from that and try to rebuild society? Because you, because at the end of RPM, it's this nice little bookend with the flower and like they go over the hillside and there's multiple flowers indicating, you know, they're essentially Adam and Eve. They're getting ready to just yeah, venture. The world off is the, being restored. Yeah, the world is being restored. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like that. It's kind of like that idea. So like, how do you, how do you come back from seeing some of the, what I would imagine the horrific things anyone would see in a situation like this? Exactly. Like this, I think would be like this kind of story. If they were to do like a full deep sequel, exploring all this, like the trauma, the post-traumatic stress and everything involved, mm-hmm. it would have to like, mm-hmm. I think a comic or e- even like an exclusive web series but not as the primary, like the, the franchise as a whole should not go into that direction. Like as a spinoff one-off where it's isolated, like RPM is sure, but Mm -hmm. power Rangers as a franchise as a whole, I'm not for that. 
it's it's almost a little funny and convenient that this is considered in an alternate universe. Mm-hmm. It was retconned as such. Well, I know that. I know that. I know right, that. But I'm, what I'm saying, <laughs> right? What I'm saying is, it's just really weird to think about because this is such a it's it's just such a radically different season, right? Right. And I just want to say this. I think we've talked about it already, so we don't need to reiterate too much. But I think the adaptability also applies metatextually directly to this show mm-hmm. because they switched producers. And they went back to one of their original producers. It was like, um, okay, I've got five minutes to figure out what to do next. So, <laughs> yeah, that that also like that applies to the sh- uh, like the behind the meta textually and textually. I'm even thinking of Flynn realizing the like sixty foot pyro and then just running in front of the grinders and morphing, which we've referenced numerous times, <laughs> but it's worth it every single time. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also it uh, to it also kind of I was sitting here thinking about it. RPM is a good illustration of of how adaptable this franchise has been as a whole, yeah. because they've explored so many different. We've had Mighty Morphin, which is the which will always be the icon. Mm-hmm. You've had Power Rangers Hogwarts. You've had Power Rangers police officers. You've had Power Rangers as civil servants in Lightspeed Rescue. Time agents post-apocalyptic heroes. Mm-hmm. I mean, this franchise outer space. from outer Rangers in outer space, Rangers on a colony in outer space. It's, this is such an incredibly adaptable franchise. And I think it's be, I, I think that's the reason why it's lasted as long as it has is because not just simply because of sin. A lot of people say, Oh, it's only because of the Sentai. Yeah, that's part of it. But, but the stories that they're telling through the lens of power Rangers has also been very relatable and very adaptable throughout the day. If it was simply because right. of the Sentai, we'd still be getting like bad versions of common Rider VR troopers would have lasted. Yeah, that's true. Seasons. Yeah, that's right. true. Somehow we would have got more Mystic like, Knights of Tiernanog, even though that was all original. <laughs> Like at some yeah. point, I would love to explore the psychology of this series to the point where I would love to know at what point it kind of just clicked with the audience. Oh, this is something we love. Yeah. Like why it's such an interesting thing as far as like psychology goes to look into why franchises have such long like this have such longevity. Right. Because I've been really- I have been pondering that a little bit with Power Rangers, because let's be honest, there was a lot of quote unquote campy children's entertainment made in the 90s right but most of it has faded into the nostalgic ethers Mm -hmm. remembered only by a handful of people but then you have some of the ones like the that have lasted and i i know some people might find it strange that i'm gonna say that stuff like power rangers is that is you know is the cream that rose to the top with several other quote-unquote kid shows of the time but there's a reason Power Rangers has lasted and other things haven't. Well, it literally caught lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not to be kind of punny there, but <laughs> it did. It, it, it did kind of it, Power Rangers kind of did catch lightning in a bottle. And for some reason that I don't have a good answer for, it's stuck around. Now, I can have I can give you a fanboy answer because it's awesome. But from a from a practical psychological standpoint, like what? what appeals to people. I think that it's just, I I think because it's, because it is a kid's show, they're able to tell complex stories in such a way that 
is easily understood. There's not a whole, there's really not a lot of fluff to Power Rangers. The Power Rangers has played it pretty straight throughout its run. So, I mean, I would say that RPM and In Space and a couple of others, there is some like nuancey things going on below the surface that maybe a lot of people won't pick up on. But outside of that, the storytelling is pretty straightforward. And Power Rangers doesn't tend to talk down to its audience either, which helps. I think with Power Rangers, and it's weird because I know earlier when we were talking about like the fandom has had like the Power Rangers fandom has had the difficulty of almost being taken seriously. Mm -hmm. Unlike say Marvel and DC or comic books. And yet in many ways, I think Power Rangers is ripe to be treated at the same way because it does take a very comic book approach to its storytelling where even though it's insane superhero stuff and yes, you could argue it's very, it it might be mostly kids focused. Mm -hmm. They, you do get your few and far between like night of Gwen Stacy's RPM is that. And I think the, I'd love to see the franchise embrace that more. I'd love to see Hasbro embrace that more. Cause I think much like Batman where it's silly and punny, there is room for the Adam West Batman and then the dark and gritty mm-hmm. Batman. Both can coexist. I used to be at the spot where I hated the 60s Batman because of like everybody still thinks of that Robin as Robin. And yet now I'm like, no, but it's a both and it doesn't have to be an either or. I'd love to see Power Rangers get there where, yes, sure. It might be mostly 60s Batman. There is room for stuff like RPM and we can do those stories and we can explore those themes and have some like more adult stuff even if the main bread and butter is lighter. Right, right. I have a lot that I could say along those lines, but we simply do not have the time. This episode's going to be long as yep, it is yep. because I just finished recently watching an anime that was along very similar lines as this that, again, at points was incredibly silly, but then just I just watched a season finale for it that was totally earned and it was dark and it was emotional and BA and it just works just, you know, with everything that came before. I've just it. got to plug yeah, it. And I think so, that- Jitsu Kaisen is beyond dope. Anyways. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I will expand on it a little bit more when we do our ranking episode. Yeah. Right. But yeah, I've enjoyed this discussion with you too. More so with Chris than you, Nathan. I'm sorry, <laughs> but Chris is just, he's just, he's just a little bit more charming than you. Uh, you it's uh, it, it's the it's familiarity. It breeds contempt. I see how it works. Yeah. I'll also yeah. quickly say, yeah, 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 yeah. which I, is I, why I people- you, I guarantee you, man, you, you spend a, you know, a couple a couple more days talking to Chris, and the Canuckness will drive you oh, crazy. Well, you know, it's you know, if he if he just maybe maybe he'll just get over the- <laughs> <Too> easy. <laughs> maybe. Maybe Chris will forgive me if I keep calling it Canadian bacon. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I can't does. be mad at you about it. I'm just, it, it, it's something that's been wrongfully ingrained in you. It makes no damn sense. <laughs> so I, I will quickly say like now, listener, I'm aware that this whole time, and it's even become a joke within this where I'm just like, man, this show was awesome. I know I jumped to that drum, but it's because I genuinely believe it. I know I've been mm. fanboying, oh, yeah. but this is, like it's not coming from a place of like, Oh, I'm such a huge fan of this. This is genuinely fantastic Mm -hmm. storytelling. It is genuinely like 
if I were to recommend a Power Rangers season to a non-Rangers fan who didn't have the hook and the enjoyment of the other the other seasons, which are also awesome. Like it's it's not to compare it or put it above it, but I to me it does stand in a class of its own. But RPM is a season that I would be like, hey, Christian, who's my co-host on Radio Arcade, he this is one where I could recommend to him where if he doesn't have the attachment to Rangers like like the rest of us do. This is going to appeal to a non-Ranger fan while still emphasizing the charm that comes with the franchise as a whole. It's just a fantastic piece of storytelling, a great piece of media. That's why I keep going back to that drum of it's awesome because it is actually genuinely awesome. (laughs) Right. And speaking of things that are actually genuinely awesome, we actually have to transition into our awards. Yes. <laughs> I, I think Chris has been like, yes, I must do this. Yes, yes. Thematics, uh, uh, those are cool, but I must give the awards. Yes. yes so we're, we're about to give our we're about to give our awards. This is the part of the show that we borrowed from our sister podcast and we perfected. We have to do the shtick. You, know you homaged it. You homaged it. We <laughs> homaged it. There we go. See, there we go. This is why we need Chris here more often because he makes it sound way better than what it is. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, hey, if you get me on the Mega Force episode, that'll be the case. I'm just honest. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Let's not and say we did. Anyway. Oh, it's like, well, I think we've already, I think we we've actually got have a guest lined we've up for that guess. one. There's going to be yeah. a lot of guests in the Neo Saban era. Yeah, <laughs> so make we're, it easier we're, to get through guests. <laughs> oh, yeah, good we're gonna, lord! We're we're gonna we're gonna definitely try to polish that turd, but oh, for, uh, yeah. for but I don't even know how to transition. So I'm just gonna say for our first award, our power range of motion award, which is what we give to our best fight scene or stunt. Nathan, go ahead and kick us off. Dylan versus Tanaya 15. I I went through a bunch of different options. There was some really cool fight choreography in this show. Good yeah, grief. Yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh. Both in the Sentai footage and in the American, really the American footage. They've been stepping up their game as they've yeah, been hugely. Yeah, They yeah. really have. But I feel like I gave it back in the In Space episode. I gave this award to Andros versus Astronomer and Countdown because of how emotional a fight it was because there was just so much writing in it. I did the similar thing with jungle fury in the last episode. So I'm like, I have to give it to this. So it's Dylan fighting his sister. There's all the emotional beats going on where he's trying to break her out of Vengex's control, but she does things like break his invincible shield. Holy crap. (laughs) And, you know, and then when she finally has him dead to rights, she hesitates. So, there's a like I said, there's so much going on in that fight, and I love it when we have a cool fight scene that has a lot of story jammed into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So I'll go last. So Chris, you're the guest. I should have started with you, but Chris, go ahead and, and give your power range of motion. Award. It actually is. Uh, I'm actually glad you went with Nathan because I was on the fence about it, but this kind of sealed it for me. It's not the same uh, scene, but it does involve one of the same characters. And specifically, I'm thinking of Dylan's first interaction with the grinders. There was so much going on in the first episode that really set it apart. 
especially things that were gravitating you towards Dylan. But that was the one where it's just like this dude going up against so many grinders. He doesn't even have a morpher. That adds the intrigue where you're like, there's something different about this character, not just thematically, but also you're like a a human should not be able to go up against these things by themselves as they've established the threat of the grinders where Colonel Truman's like shoot at something like these are the henchmen are the henchmen. It is what it is, but yeah, just shut up and shoot something. But when this guy can go by himself, it kicks it up a notch. And that kind of gave you an idea of what the fights and even what some of the themes within the fights and the shows were, were going to be. So that fight, that first interaction with the grinders really stands out to me. It might not be the best choreographed or have the most emotion, but it's a great Mm -hmm. mission statement for how the fights and the themes of the show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So for my award, I'm going to make mine pretty, I'm going to keep mine pretty quick. I'm going to go with Jim and Scott versus Vengex episode 20 heroes among us. Oh yeah. That one was pretty epic. And we get Scott surfing on his sword moment so that's yeah. that was pretty it was pretty crazy i just really like the drama in that particular one in that particular fight scene because all the rangers had had their asses kicked and then jim steps up as the basically the last man standing and then scott comes in and saves the day of course and they do the double team on vengex to destroy him in his second form so this is his this is vengex this is not the cool bearded vengex this is just kind of Ultron Ultron Vengex 2.0 Ultron Vengex 2.0 yeah that sounds like a real thing (laughs) 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 I am Ultron Vengex 2.0 yeah so for our next award it is our Ultra SFX Zord Award and we give this one to the best special effect it doesn't always have to be a Zord its name does not imply it always has to be a Zord but it often is a Zord so Chris you're the guest you go first I alluded to this earlier. It was actually for me, the first appearance of the RPM ultra sword, just the shot where it was literally towering over like the monster where the monster was almost just like, just above the thing's waist, the scale Mm -hmm. that it adds, the fact that it took me back a bit to the original ultra sword, just, it brought me back to that childhood, almost wonder. It just mm. it it just hit me on a on a different way than some of the other stuff. There are other better visual effects, but this one where I was like, I'm in as an adult, and it's bringing some childlike glee. Mm-hmm. It was great for me. Yeah, you know what? It actually took me back to the SPD headquarters Zord. Ooh. That thing was twice as tall as everything else, too. Yeah, and see that what is it called, Nathan? When we get the really when when things scale really weird. Oh crap! It, Godzilla has this problem all the time. There's a term for it that we use within within fandom, but I can't think of it right now. But we've seen we've seen Zords that are supposed to be. I think this it was it was a. I noticed it first in Lightspeed Rescue when the Super Train Megazord showed up and it towered mm-hmm. over our monster. Well, but an episode later, the monster is apparently adapted to the size mass of mass shifting. Mass, yeah, mass right. shifting. Maybe it was size shifting. Yeah, that's yeah, a Transformers thing, actually. Yeah, mass shifting. There we go. Well, I mean, we talk about it a lot in in the Godzilla fandom as well, so. Yeah, it was the mass shifting, but I'm, I'm with Chris. 
that's not quite my award. My award comes from episode 26, Beyond Doubt. Just that last, I'd say, what, 10 minutes of the episode where it's just going ridiculously nuts with the Zords and with the with that Ultra Zord is, inc- is incredible Tokusatsu. Mm-hmm. Dope. Yeah. Yeah. Mine is related to the Zords, but it's not entirely the Zords, although the Zords help really sell the scene. And that is there's it doesn't last very long. It's a quick shot, but Morphed Scott is fighting Shifter, mm-hmm. and you can see the Zords fighting in the background. Oh yeah, I love shots. So like yeah, that. so there's a fight in the foreground between two human-sized opponents, and then you see the giant fight in the background. It's very and, final wars. Yeah, it's something that we I know later Power Rangers and Sentai seasons start doing more of. Mm-hmm. But every time I see it, especially in these older seasons, I'm like, oh, that's beautiful. Because it's, a it's real great it, to see the two different scales of battles going on. Yeah. There's one specific scene. It's from Zenkiger that does this. And it's 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 not just Rangers in the foreground, Zords in the background, but it's also like this panning shot mm-hmm. that's slowly panning around the battle. It's just such beautiful tokusatsu. Beautiful, beautiful mm-hmm. tokusatsu. For sure. So, for sure. So for our next award, it's our more phenomenal Mad Lib, which we give to the best line. I will circle back to Nathan this time. Nathan, go ahead and give us your award. Uh, This one, it's Dr. K. There was a lot of things I considered. I shared a lot of the lines that I did consider, you know, when we talked about some of the different characters. Yeah. And this is one we easily could have brought up in the thematic discussion, but I did want to save it for this. It was honestly... One of the most profound things I felt like in the entire season, which is she's talking with Colonel Truman because he's trying to arrest her. This is when they find out that she is responsible for the creation of Vengex. And she's trying to convince him to not arrest her because she's like, I know I screwed up. I'm trying to make it better. And she tells him, We all do things in life we regret, but if we don't learn from them and move toward a brighter future, we pay twice. Yeah. I'm like, ow. (laughs) Ow. It's it's kind of like a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a prettier way of saying fool me once, fool me once, shame on you. Like learning. It's it's a, the concept is you just keep repeating the same mistake. Over well, and it's it, it, and that goes into our thematics of adaptability as well. I think. Yeah, yeah, because it's you know it's like they say like you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Yeah, sort of like yeah. this show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our show um, or RPM? No, our show. Our our no. our show. Oh, okay. Our show. Our yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> all right chris go i just have a brief observation i love that all of our awards here are tied to the same character which speaks volumes yeah. about how great a character dr k is oh dr k was wonderful. mine now i'm going to quickly reference my runner-up i know i feel like it was one of nathan's runner-ups but of course it's the i'm scottish right after the excellent steal <laughs> from tanaya <laughs> She, I'm Scottish. Where she goes off on what the tropes are. It's such a great line. Yes. But 
the one that fits the theme of the show and Dr. K excellently, especially at the time, I think it was during Ranger Red when Scott's out there and then she's like Ranger Operator Red and then Dylan's like, Scott, is his name is Scott. And then Dr. K responds like, and this matters why. Like, that's mm. such a different <laughs> thing from any mentor before and going right. forward. And it's just such a testament to how different these characters are. It makes sense why Dr. Yeah. K is responding that. And like, that's a moment of where she is compared to where she'll be. Right. And it's just such a great mm -hmm. line. Yeah, for sure. So for my more phenomenal Mad Lib award is also going to be involving Dr. K. In fact, it's the Q&A with Dr. So K. Good. Where they're all that just like a podcast. <laughs> Q and A with Doctor K. Q and A with Doctor K. <laughs> it's this it's week. Uh, why I created then Hasbro get on it. Get well, on, spend him on board. <laughs> we would listen in our beat. <laughs> well, it was it, it'd be forty five minutes of telling people why they're wrong. <laughs> so, so it's Elijah's podcast, right? <laughs> right. So okay. So this has been this has been talked about and memed a lot in Ranger fandom, especially about about. RPM and it actually and it speaks to the self-awareness this show this I should say the tasteful self-awareness that this yeah. show has and I'm not going to be able to go through the whole dialogue but I'm going to point out one specific thing about it so essentially it's our rangers asking questions to Dr. K why things are why things are the way they are Scott asks why does our Zords have big googly eyes? And she says, those are not googly eyes. Those are depth sensory perception yeah. mechanisms or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Flynn yeah. says, why do we have to say RPM getting gear? So like, that's voice recognition technology. Yeah. Why do we have <laughs> yes. to, is it absolutely necessary for us to yell RPM getting gear at the top of our lungs? <laughs> Yes, but my favorite, my favorite, and this, and this is, this is the one that's the, this is the one that's the most, I, I guess, not, I won't say absurd, but it, it takes the most, it, it, ta it, it gives them, it makes, it takes the most liberty with the source material, but it's, it comes from Ziggy when Ziggy asks her, yeah, why do I have a six foot fireball behind me every time I morph? And she says, that's the, that's the residual, that's the residual energy runoff to help clear the area, dummy. That's paraphrasing. Don't you know that? I mean, come on. Which is also such a great example of the, those two characters dynamic. Oh yeah. yeah. And then I'm it sets up Flynn using the explosion to his advantage. <laughs> And like I joked before, somewhere Bruce Kalish is watching that and crying. They yes. finally got it right. So, I stole that joke from, from, from Disney brain, just so everyone well, knows. And, and, and in true Michael fashion, I'm going to say we made it better. <laughs> I got your back, dude. I just don't... <laughs> I just don't think we can talk about awards and RPM without giving it to this scene because it's, like I said, it's incredibly self-aware, but it's tasteful at the same time. Yeah. It, could have it doesn't break the fourth wall. Like I said, right? technically it's not winking at the audience or talking to the audience. It's just pointing out the tropes <laughs> that everyone took for granted. And it's not so far fetched that you can't say, yeah, I can see that. Okay. I'll go with it. You know, and it's just kind of like, yeah, we'll, we'll go with it. So, I mean, even Carl Dutton does this on the audio drama. There've been moments like this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. His, nin oh, his ninja. Oh, his ninja. <laughs>
God. Oh, I love it so much. Anyway, moving on to our final award it is the I, I, I Can't Believe That Happened Award. And we give this award to the craziest moment. So, Chris, for the last award, you kick us off. Oh, sure. Absolutely. It is actually Jen and Gemma's death. Now, oh. it, it kind yeah, of got... That was my runner-up. It mm-hmm. kind of got... Now, you lose a bit of the impact in the next episode, but I mean, that is what that is. But I can't think of another time outside of... Sorry, uh, what... what? Dang it. Right after in space, it's just my, my brain. Thank you. Yeah. Lost Galaxy. Lost Galaxy. I was about to yeah. say Lightspeed Rescue. Yeah, Gemma and Gemma dying... That was like a holy crap moment because mm-hmm. you could actually buy that they would stay dead because it was the finale and in RPM people die. So that was one where it's like, not only did you get this great selfless moment from them and the wonderful performances from all the actors, mm-hmm. just it stood out so much as much as there was like so many dark flashbacks and everything. Like I thought they were going to stay dead. Mm -hmm. so it was just one of those like you thought somebody might get injured maybe be put off the table but i didn't think they'd kill two rangers in front of us yeah Yeah. right the last time this was done effectively was kendrick's they did it in overdrive and it was stupid yes (laughs) like everything else in operation overdrive which again, listeners, if you're a fan of Overdrive, one, we're not trying to beat up on you. We're sorry. But two, please explain to us why and how, because I'd love to be able to watch that show and enjoy it like you do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, Nathan, what is your award? You know how we've been talking about how this show is self aware but doesn't break the fourth wall? That's true until it isn't. Mm-hmm episode what was that like episode 21 22 it's called and action we've hinted at yes that's fair that's fair yeah (sighs) i almost gave it to the clip show that was titled in such a way that i thought it was going to be this really dark epic hypothetical episode about if resolve no this one was a behind the scenes episode (laughs) where the it starts with the Rangers, Ziggy in particular, literally breaking the fourth wall and talking to the audience. I'm like, what the frick is happening? From what I've been able to piece together, they made this as a filler so they could take care of the transition from Gazellian to Judd Lynn, and it was just easy to do, and they had already done a couple uh, the last couple of seasons they did these behind the scenes specials but they were wholly separate things from the rest of the show and for whatever reason (laughs) they just decided instead of just taking a week off and only having 31 episodes they're like yeah just make it a regular episode and just have the rangers break the fourth wall have them talk to the audience and then watch themselves make a scene at the end of the episode with popcorn sitting on the sofa and everything. I'm like, what the frick even is this episode? This is like the closest we're going to get to rant master this week. People. Okay. I'm not hitting the button for that, but still I'm just like, what is going on? Why does this exist? Why? Well, okay. So I have to ask, I have to ask which, which episode do you like better lost in translation or this one? 
Mother Trucking Lost in Translation because that's just funny and actually fits in with the show and <laughs> develops the characters. This is nothing more than a well filler. Make we don't know stuff. what to do. we don't know what we're doing this week, guys. So yeah, we don't know. We, uh, we got it. We, we we just switched producers. We don't know what to do. We're going to talk to the audience and like, hey, look how we make stuff when it's not Sentai footage. And aren't we cool? Is- we're but what we're but we're <laughs> we're talking to you as the characters, but talking about what we do as actors. Mm-hmm. It's such it's a just weird like- anomaly. Uh, <laughs> It, it, it really is. It's one of, uh, like, I wish there was more information about it because most of it is speculation, but it's speculation that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. It happened smack dab in the transition. Now I'm also thinking they probably had a, uh, like it probably like, no, you have to, you, like, you have to put something out. We have to have 32. Like you got to do this just for cheap. Like it yeah, might, so there might be they just some decided to combine the behind the scenes special skip. with yeah. yeah, but it's it was so weird. I will admit when I saw the I title it, on the DVD menu, I'm like, <laughs> is this going to be like some weird filler episode where someone decides to make a movie in Corinth or something? But I no mean, worries. we we did not get the we did not get the typical one of our Rangers wants to be a pop star episode. Well, that's because I don't think Summer wants to do that anymore. <laughs> None of these, none of these characters want to do that. See, I did, I wouldn't even buy that old Summer would want to do that. She just seemed to be happy just being super rich and snobby, and not. I mean, yeah. I would the be... only one I could think of who might have done it would be like Flynn if they said, "Hey, do you want to be a superhero?" But that wouldn't make sense because he is a superhero. Yeah. I could picture it, it like if they just made it like Ziggy's doing a documentary. And somehow, like, make that the clip show and not necessarily the behind the scenes stuff. Or Ziggy wrote a movie. Oh, yeah. And or is or, just such a weird duck. Or <laughs> Ziggy, or Ziggy finds a camera and says, "You know what? I'm going to record ourselves just in case we survive this thing. We can look back on yeah. it." And, or, and, or and maybe watch. like Ziggy gets a camera and records them training. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> There you go. For a split second, Nathan, I thought you were doing a bit where you were just repeating what Michael said, just in a slightly different way. No. (laughs) (laughs) Or. (laughs) Or. Yeah. See, we've already made that better. There we go, show. I mean, that's Uh, what we do. I mean, we we figured out how to fix Operation Overdrive. <laughs> speaking okay, so speaking of a material, my I, I I can't believe that happened award is gonna be a little bit of a cheat. I will say that it's it's similar to the award I have in SPD where it was I can't believe how how well this was handled. This one kind of a piggybacks off of your award, Nathan, the fourth wall breaking episode. I I I can't believe how many things that are not supposed to work do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That is honestly in lesser hands. This would have been an unholy mess. Right. Right. This, we would be in the middle of a, like a, a, a turbo situation where yeah. they're adapting an incredibly silly Sentai to make it very, very serious. But RPM strikes such a good balance of seriousness and honoring its power Rangers roots that I think it works and on, and really it should not work at least not for power Rangers. It feels like power Rangers, but then again, certain episodes don't feel like power Rangers. 
It's similar to what's the episode in Lost Galaxy, Nate? That feels like a, a, a rescue pastiche. mission. Yeah, the rescue where it feels like a pastiche of an of the Alien movie. That is the most atypical episode of Power Rangers. Period. I don't this care is the what most, season it is. This is the most atypical season of Power Rangers. Period. That's why it stands out. It's why people like it, and this is and that's why I have grown to love it as well. But like I said, I'm going to try to keep my thoughts pretty short. There's a lot of stuff that just should not work that do that do. And that actually amazes me. Right. The uh, like, I don't think that awards a cheat. I honestly could have done the same thing. The award could be just RPM in general. There's so many things where I even think of movies where you're like, you can allow it some flack. Like weirdly enough, I'm going to use the the theatrical cut of justice league which is bad it's it make no mistake it's bad but with all the behind the scenes stuff that was going on then part of me is like it's better than it has any right to be rpm not only falls into that category somehow unlike justice league it actually succeeds it's not me saying it has it shouldn't work and it does it's better than it has any right to be. And it turns out friggin' fantastic. Yeah. Right. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about Power Ranger seasons and it being like, this is our last hurrah guys. So let's just do the best we can. And it turns out amazing. Okay. That's you know, no F's are given, right? No F's are, I guess. No. Yeah. It just comes down to no F's being given. So that does it for our awards. And we have one more segment segment we have to get through. And Chris, do you know what that is? It's morphin time. <laughs> so this is the part of the episode where in this time, 90 seconds or less, we give our final thoughts on the particular season we're covering. So gentlemen, do you have your stopwatches ready? I do. Give me one second. I will. I won't need 90 seconds, though. <laughs> well, it's, third, it's, well, it's I should a be, shared 90 seconds. I, would, oh, okay. I should. Yeah, I should preface this by saying I wasn't clear. It's 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 a shared 90 seconds, 30 seconds a piece. Oh, I, I won't say. need 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I said it's just we're just sharing 90 seconds. Oh, that's yeah. No, no. I, I got you. I got you. All right. OK. Ready, gentlemen? Yep. Y- yes. All right. On your mark. Get set. Get in gear. go Chris what can I say that I haven't already said for me this is the Power Rangers at its absolute best it is fantastic this is the one that you can recommend to non-Ranger fans if I'm going to compare it to anything else it is the Deep Space Nine of Power Rangers yes (laughs) I wholeheartedly agree with you there I've talked before about how in many ways, the show's like Ultraman Nexus, where it has just enough of what came before it to make it part of that franchise, but goes in wildly different directions. Good Lord, the theme song basically starts by punching you in the face with audio. That's what it does. <laughs> you, know, you get like exposition dump, bam, metal. Yeah. <laughs> we are extreme, but we're still one of the good guys. Yeah, this this entire <laughs> this entire season is is sort of a gut punch, but in a good way, because it flips on its head what we know of the ranger franchise so far like uh, like i said in my uh, awards a lot of things that should not work do mm-hmm. and that's why i really like and i really like and i love i just really have a, a an appreciation for rpm and what it was able to do it's just 
it's just kind of, it's just, it's just, it's just really sad that this is as high as it gets from this point forward. Uh, at least that's our expectation. Yeah. I'll quickly add game over. (laughs) I'll quickly say, I don't think it's necessarily fair for other, the other seasons to be judged in comparison to RPM because RPM is so special and so unique and separates itself so much that the RPM is definitely an outlier. Exactly. The other seasons should be care should be compared more to basically because RPM is so atypical and the other shows go back to what a typical Ranger season is Mm -hmm. that, RPM shouldn't be to me. It's because it's so special, but it's also such an outlier that yeah. they should compare accordingly. If you throw RPM to the mix, then it doesn't even no, There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael, before we get to some housekeeping, we have a promise to keep. <laughs> oh yes. We have a very special announcement to make. Diggity yes, we do. Yes, yes we do. So, and this actually feels really appropriate given the fact that it we does. are in, we are leaving the Disney era and mm-hmm. we are actually going to have the privilege to speak with one of the showrunners and probably the person that made a lot of these seasons so good. I'm going to venture off and say, and we're, we're going to be interviewing Jackie Marchand. Awesome. Very, very soon. So we've already, we we've already we have a special lightning round coming for you where we will be interviewing yeah. Jackie Marchand about we, we have already, her work on Rangers. We'll, we'll ask her questions about herself and her writing process, what she's been doing since Rangers. We just, we have a lot of questions. Oh yeah. Find out oh, if she knows what Gazellian's plan was. We all need to know. <laughs> uh, and you know, we, you and, and power I, trip exclusive. What was he going to do? Exactly. <laughs> Did you get I, him drunk enough? You tell, tell her, I need to know. You can be like the guest on the RPM show. <laughs> We will have fanboy questions, but I also want to, I also want to tack on this. If you are a part of our Power Rangers legacy Facebook group, we will be taking questions there for Miss Marchand because we want to make it kind of special for our group members. So, and we will, we promise we can't guarantee we'll get to a lot of those questions, but we promise if we, if, if the opportunity arises, Mm -hmm. we will try to sneak in some questions from our listeners to Miss Marchand Mm -hmm. to give a little bit of audience participation. Yes. We, Yes, and well, although we do have a lot of our own questions to ask, one of mine being, "Are you my distant cousin?" <laughs> she may not come back if we if uh, we ask her that question. I've we actually need... already asked her that on Twitter, and she thought it was funny. Okay, <laughs> there we go. But we're really excited. We're very excited to talk to Miss Marchand. We're we're just it, we're just over the moon to talk to her because we've dissected the Disney era as best we can up to this point. And she's been a huge part of why the high points have been so high throughout this particular she's era. She's been of the, show. the reason why there's been a lot of high points since mighty Morphin season three. Oh, absolutely. You mean over the moon palace. <laughs> <laughs> but we're just looking forward to that. And we will make sure to announce the official date of that episode when it, uh, before it comes out, we'll make sure to post that in our group. So if you're not a part of power Rangers legacy, please follow the link in the description of this episode and join over there because we will be using some of those questions in that group. But we do have one more housekeeping item to do. And Chris, Here's your opportunity for shameless plugs. 
<laughs> I always struggle with this. All right. So yeah, listener, if you're interested in hearing more of my ramblings or funny comments, you can check me out on two podcasts right now, soon to be three. I'm actually going to exclusively drop dime here to my non-patrons, Nathan, who's a patron, but he knew before. I'm going to be launching a third podcast soon. I'll let you guys know when it's active. It probably will be after this episode drops, but you can find me on one cross radio also on Instagram at 2099 OCR, where I'll do some shorts. That's actually where Michael and I started interacting more when I started doing power ranger stuff. I'll be honest, heavily inspired by your guys. Excellent show. Yep. You can also check out my, I'm not like Nathan where it's a spinoff podcast, but it's a separate podcast. It kind of started as a spinoff, but it became its own thing. Radio Arcade with my buddy Christian. We're on a temporary hiatus right now, but we will be back with more episodes. And then coming soon, I'm going to be doing a wrestling podcast because wrestling is inherently silly. And even when there's heavy stuff going on, And I say this as a fan of the product, it's silly. So that helps keep things light and appreciative. And it's hard to get really angry about that stuff. So coming soon, there will be power bombs and pile drivers, a wrestling appreciation (laughs) podcast. Yeah. Let me tell you something, brother. (laughs) And, and, and that's the bottom line because Chris Cook said so. And yeah, price can you check smell on what jackass. Chris is cooking? <laughs> price check on a jackass. Guaranteed there's going to be a Stone Cold Appreciation episode. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, man. But Chris, thank you so much, man, for, for hanging out with us. I know we had to split the recording up a little bit, but so th- thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule, out of your wife's schedule, taking time away from your family and your dog to chat with us about Power Rangers and, and all the things yep. there. So we just we right. just feel like we are incredibly grateful to you for coming on and dealing with Nathan's shenanigans. And you. <laughs> Yours. <laughs> Guys, but I, man, there are double shenanigans on this show. This has been <laughs> such a, like, legitimately, this has been such a privilege. It is always fun talking with you, gentlemen, but be able to explore not only Power Rangers, which is such a fun franchise that a lot of people write off, but also my favorite season and look at it in depth and just have the fun I've had. It it's been a joy and right. an actual privilege. Thank you for having me on anytime yeah. in any capacity that you'd love me back. I'm going to, I will jump. Well, and uh, you'll get to talk more power Rangers with me. It's actually true. over on the monster Island film vault, because in a couple of months, you're going to be visiting monster Island to talk about power Rangers 2017. It's Just true. Let everyone know. It's true. <laughs> and, and I have thoughts. <laughs> I know you do, but you know, speaking of power Rangers 2017, we are now officially done with the excluding reversion, which we'll talk about that for the five minutes it deserves. <laughs> in our that. ranking episode we're getting into <laughs> neo saban starting with samurai and i'm yeah. not as excited yeah that's our yeah. next main episode will be samurai yeah, yeah we're and we um, are just there's been a little bit of confusion just letting everybody know all of the neo saban se- seasons are getting combined so it'll be samurai and super samurai in one power trip episode we're ba- yeah. we're gonna treat them as the same thing well, I mean, they should have just done that from the get-go, but, you know. I've already watched a few episodes of Samurai, and I'm going to reserve full judgment, but so far, I'm I'm not really all that impressed. <laughs> 
I'm going to say here, and I know on Nathan's other podcast, when we talked about Super Inframan, I said little Toku <laughs> and a little, a little Kaiju stuff. It goes a long way. You're venturing into some territory where I'll mm-hmm. still, I, to me, Overdrive is still the, the worst season, but a little Megaforce, a little Samurai goes a long way and not in the good way that a little Toku normally goes a long way. Ramp Master is going to try to keep himself in check and it's best that you're keeping it to one episode of those seasons instead of doing yeah, yeah. Super Mega Force. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That is the dumbest title ever. Also, we should mention we'll have guests for samurai yes we will our friends over at zero to hero the self-proclaimed bulk and skull of ranger podcasting <laughs> and i have to ask i have to ask if they're the bulk and skull of ranger podcasting what makes that what makes us i mean we're definitely if we're if they're the bulk and skull so that definitely makes us the jason and tommy the, I mean, yeah, that's the, our without the behind the, the scenes infighting, right? Yeah, like uh, the, we're we're definitely the cool kids. We're definitely yeah. the cool kids. So actually, probably with probably if if we had to make an equivalent to it, they would they would call us the Rito and Goldar uh, specifically. The, <laughs> specifically, that's because I am Rito. <laughs> specifically, uh, Zio, Rito, and Goldar when we're. <laughs> Dressed up but in the that, maid outfits. But, I don't know. But let's, that, let's be real though. The Rito let's and, not. The, the Rito that's going and to weird places. <laughs> and Zio were like the better versions of Squad and Babu. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. And I like Squad and Babu. <laughs> I'm obviously Goldar. I'm the grouchy one. I'm the, I'm, I'm, I'm the grouchy one and the snarly one. And of course, Nathan's the bonehead. <laughs> the snarky bonehead. <laughs> we will have our friends from Zero to Hero. We have a lot of fun with those guys. They're hilarious. Thank we we've been wanting to have them on for a while. So this mm. is they this were is one of def- the first Ranger podcasts to have us on when we started. Right. Yeah. So this has yep. been a we this has been a long time coming for reciprocation mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And according to them, Rocky is the real hero of the franchise. You know, I want to ask them what they mean by that. (laughs) And I love me some Rocky. I will defend Steve Cardenas, but Vulcan Skull, heroes of the franchise. Just (laughs) And with that, listeners with attitude, may you always die hard with a Vengex. May it always be boom time for you. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at thepowertrippod, and join our official Facebook group, Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasters. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Savant Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya!
This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.